We are Squawking Dead, a podcast polarizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we make deep in your face. <laughs> Did you see that? I was like, oh. <laughs> We're here to talk about the 10th episode of season 11, the final season of The Walking Dead. I, I, you can't say that without going, uh, no. right? Because when you say the final season of The Walking Dead, it just, you're like instantly sad. Titled New Haunts. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Cosmo Azir and I, Rachel Burt. Hey, I'm back. And Survivors tier members, jasmine.iac on Instagram and xprophecygirl on Twitter. So, how did you guys feel about this episode? This episode had a lot more Carol in it, so I was very happy. Aiden says it's one of my faves. What, what like, really? What, what makes it your fave? Oh, yeah. I'm kind of yeah. interested. Mm. Loved it so fucking much, he says. And we see Carol getting back to her sneaky ways and a lot of... A lot of callbacks to uh, the first time we enter Alexandria and like only we see, uh, in my opinion, we see a lot more maybe hesitation and um, questioning things instead of like rushing into like things. diving right in. Yeah. Instead of diving right in and accepting this community, I see more hesitation, more like looking around corners, like who can we trust? I mean, it was so bad. It's a little bit of both. When, I mean, you think yeah, about it. it it was so bad. Like, I don't even trust May, who's making friends with Judith. I'm like, who is this? Uh-uh. Who's this little girl talking to Jude? Get out. Uh-uh. Not on my watch. <laughs> yeah. Not on my watch. <laughs> Aiden says, so many callbacks, great character moments. So many questions to be asked. So many developments shown off. So many relationships that we haven't seen in a while come back. Aiden had more thoughts on the episode than, than the number of thoughts I've had in my life, basically. Hmm. <laughs> Basically, a lot more fistful of Carol. But yes. but to your point, I see her being a little of this and a little of that. And of course, there's a little of this and a little of that when it comes to her hair, too. Like, okay, she's the queen from the kingdom with the long hair, not afraid of, of it being pulled, which is the whole reason why she cut her hair to begin with. And then true to form, like by the end of the episode, she's uh, kicking back with Zeke. Okay, I, I was trying to see Rachel's reaction to what I just said, and she's okay with it. It's good. Okay. I love Car- oh. I love I love Carzekiel. Listen, oh. listen. Do, do we think that's going to be a thing? Let me first say I do think she loves him. So anything she does from here on out I, is not fake. I think she does love him. She does care about him. And if she thinks that he's going to be dying soon, which I think he kind of thinks that too, I think she's going to just smother him in as much love and support as possible before before he says goodbye to everybody. Mm, yeah, like the whole uh, love, the, love the one already... you're with started saying goodbye by the looks of things between yeah. um giving up shiva's collar to jerry's child i forgot the name of ezra and giving um the box of henry's stuff back to carol i think that his is him definitely saying like goodbye to people in his own way mm-hmm. i agree or at least the show is making us feel like he's saying like the show is getting ready to say goodbye to him even though yeah, i don't think I that's don't... going to happen yeah I, I, don't, I don't think so but i think he thinks Maybe, maybe. Ezekiel's going to get Dwight's comic book death, so he ain't died to the cancer. You're putting a finger on something that I had said also earlier in the season, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah, I don't see it. There's I, some see things... someone else. I see someone else getting Dwighty boy's death. We'll get to that, but yeah. I do want to circle back to yeah. Zeke in this moment with Carol, because it does call back to a scene in season 10 where they have the knock and boots thing, and she finds out of the thing, the growth. And <laughs> the question still is in the air of whether... I think she'll always love him in maybe even kind of, sort of, 
not the way that she loves Daryl, but like, you know how you just always will love people even though they're not around, generally speaking? That, okay, now let's drill down further. The question is still in the air whether she actually, you know, because we all have phases in our lives, whether she's still in that phase technically with Zeke, like of love. Something my, my flatmate actually alluded to me when we were watching the episode is Carol almost needs like some like something to work on. Someone, something. And ever since she lost Henry, she kind of converted that into revenge for Alpha. Then she didn't have anything again. And is this perhaps her like having something to do again, almost, in helping Ezekiel? Good point. Like she needs to feel useful. She needs to feel like she's doing something. One thing that Angela Kane that. had had said about the 10C episodes is that they are purposeful in their setup for season 11. Maybe as it pertains especially to the Commonwealth in this in this scenario. Her episode being the one that was more, more, most critically panned, 1021, diverged. And yet it kind of is the perfect setup for this episode in that maybe you're right, Jasmine. Maybe the, this is why I asked the question because, yeah, Carol always seems to need a, or at least now seems to need a project to kind of live in this world. So is it love or is it a project? Again, we're on this fine line where we don't really know this way or that. It can go either way. I think it's okay if it's both, don't you? I mean, can't she love him and need something to do to feel useful? Well, I'm, I'm the, comfortable with it being both. If that's the case, that would be super. Totally mm -hmm. super. And I would be mm -hmm. super okay with that. She hasn't lost a kid in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aiden says maybe Aiden. she can raise Adam. <laughs> she hasn't lost a kid in a while. Bridget, what do, you, what do you think of that, though? What do you think of that whole Zeke Carol scenario? I was happy to see them together again and amicable and um like even a little bit uh lovey-dovey there at the end you know where they're like cuddled up on the sofa together because i i do not think that carol and daryl personally i am a fan of her going with ezekiel okay so why don't you want them to be together I, it's worth asking carol and daryl to me always have had like a really strong friendship and i just i think that's such a common mistake in writing where you like take a solidly written friendship and then just try to mash them together. And I don't think it's necessary. Like, I I don't see them flirting with each other or anything beyond the way that you would with a friend. You had me at mashing together. <laughs> then I did, a, like... I did a hand motion, too, to go with it. Yeah. You also, have to make, like, a gross Carol skin on skin and noise. Connie. All right. Yes, and you. Connie. And he totally all... checked her out. He was checking right, yeah. her out. We saw that in the episode. <laughs> Uh, again. And, and Carol approves. So that's like, once again, yeah. Carol is, Carol's all for it. Carol's like, you go, Daryl. I, I like the look back, right? Because you got the look back from Daryl's. She's like, walks away. And he's like, oh, okay. Then he kind of looks around the corner. He's like, yeah, I'm looking at you walking away. Because I want to see that ass. <laughs> got Awkward some laughs. Silence. Aiden says, I was really hoping when he said he was fine, she would have said never bullshit a bullshitter. Okay. Yeah, I was hoping so too. Mm -hmm. But you could tell from the eyes. I'm trying to lie to you. No, don't do that. Don't do that, Zeke. One last thing with the Henry's box thing. Do you think that also means, for Carol, do you think that also means that she finally has time? You know, whispers are over. She did what she needed to do with the whispers. She killed Alpha, technically, by orchestrating her demise. Do you think that this is like a sign for her that she can actually grieve, that she can actually maybe even be with Ezekiel? I mean, this it's kind of what I think, but of course the show's going to do what it's going to do anyway, but... What uh, what are your thoughts on on that? Did, also, also, did you feel like a little emotional? Because I did. I was visibly tearing up at that, at that moment in the React video. So I will say that I I loved the cheers with the like here's to fresh starts because I thought 
in my mind, I was like, maybe that means like she's willing to give this a shot again because they're like past all of this with the Whisperer War and fingers crossed. That's what I was hoping for. Okay, so I want to bring up something um, maybe stupid and funny, but also possibly relevant. Did anyone notice the apartment number Carol's staying in? No, but go ahead. It's 19. She's staying in apartment 19, which besides it being Chandler and Joey's apartment on Friends actually has a meaning. (laughs) (laughs) So I looked up for whatever reason, like numbers kept popping out to me in this episode. And I felt compelled to look up any sort of significant meaning to these numbers. And the number 19 actually does have a significance. Uh, So in numerology, if you have 19 You will plan well and achieve your goals. It is also significant of intimate love. You will beam with full of life energy. It's also uh, a sign of a fresh start. Whoa. (laughs) I hope that is all true for Carol. You're our numerology expert, Rachel. As you were saying it, Rach, I was like, I'm so glad that we have such disparate information, I think, that we're bringing to the table when it comes to the show. Because I did notice the numbers and I was like, eh, numbers. I don't know. Who cares? But then you bring this up and then saying it has something to do with fresh starts. I was like, and they both said it. Yeah. They both said exactly that to a fresh start. Perfect. So then I felt validated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It does mean something. Well, you should. (laughs) So they may be making a fresh start in apartment 19. Doing this. God, I hope not. I hope they're both better at it than that. Well, in slow motion. (laughs) Still, though. Uh, Aiden says, I I would love to see them get back together. I think Carol's going to do anything she can with Lance and Tommy to help. And I love that. It reminds me of when she went to the Anderson household and held Pete at knife point, wanting him to help Tara. So I wanted to talk about the the very beginning of the episode, um, the little teaser before the um, credits with the haunted house. (laughs) You're going to be mad. Because this reminds me a lot of something we talked about last week. RJ was very frightened. And I was a a little worried in that moment. Because I was like, this is exactly what we got into last week. About the kids not being well prepared for the world that they live in. And all of that thing. And so I was a little irked almost. Like, Daryl is better than that. In terms of like, he knows that those kids need to be prepared no matter what. But I guess they're really leaning into their living in this safe place even though daryl kind of mentions that maybe it's not gonna be great maybe it's gonna be like alexandria at the beginning or maybe it's gonna be like any other place that they've gone where they've said this is it and then it's never it so i just i kind of wanted to bring that up just and i even wrote what will sharon d think about rj in my notes like <laughs> it's because of that moment with him being so like frightened while we're on the the subject of the haunted house it really, 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 really reminded me of the ending of the comic where Herschel's, you know, like using the walkers um, yep. for like carnival type thingies. And I thought like maybe that's like the pretext to that storyline potentially. It obviously won't be an identical route because Carl's dead. <laughs> but if they wanted to go down like a similar route and explain how like Herschel is like desensitized to the walkers. And these kids are now potentially being desensitized to the walkers in the Commonwealth could potentially be related. Yeah, could be. It could be like one of those homages that you say, okay, this is an homage to that scene, but like we're never, we're not going to do that scene. There's too much. Yeah. But too much. it could be a reference to or potentially like the pretense for comic book Herschel's decisions. Jerkwad Herschel, right? <laughs> I kind of want to yeah, see I, that though. 
I thought the same thing, Jazzy. Actually, the, so the first time I was watching it and they're going through through this thing, my first thought was, why aren't they killing anything? And then I went, oh, it's a haunted house. And then I kind of laughed it off. And then I found out it really was a haunted house. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and then I thought of Herschel from the con. I'm like, oh, it's just like Herschel's traveling show. Come see the the monsters. It's like a gimmick for him. I'm glad we have different perspectives because when I found out that it was a haunted house, I was upset for them because how insulting is it having lived yeah. out there for so long? I felt like mm -hmm. immediate like this is this is gross. They they're so out of touch with all this that they don't understand that like how and look, I'm looking at Judith and she's like she's frightened. So when I see her come to May, Remay's like, you're not afraid of anything. I'm like, A, you were afraid in the haunted house. Even though like you're capable, you're afraid, which is okay. I think that's okay. I think that's normal. And Judith is normal, even though she's exceptional. But then, you know, I think May, she's also afraid of these people too. And, and I think there's a lot to fear. And I really sympathize with Judith, Judith in some sense, even though by the end of the episode, it feels like she's adjusting because they're malleable. Kids are like that. But I also thought it was just kind of gross. And maybe especially RJ, too, by the way. Because, like, RJ, A, doesn't know how to fight. And RJ has been through the Whisper War where Gabriel had to say, wear a fist and then this. And here's the, I'm not done yet. And he was, like, scared. He's genuinely scared. He went through this and now he's going through that. And he's like, I don't want to leave. I, please don't. I don't want to go back to Alexandria. Mom can go to hell. <laughs> can we stay here where there's ice cream and cotton candy and nice kids? <laughs> Do we not in the real world engross in entertainment that reflects real life issues? But there's no real life zombies to as an equivalent. You yeah, know? but you could you could equate it to any of the issues that are currently. We're watching a TV show about a class disparity while living in a class disparity. Arguable. That's all. I mean, you live go. in the US. It's worse there. Arguable. But you but you could almost understand that sometimes, like to make entertainment like the haunted house. We do draw on things that reflect our real world. You know, maybe to your point, the equivalent could be seen as like, okay, Civil War reenactors, right? Now, there's no people that are alive today that were in the Civil War. But let's say even like Vietnam or reenactors or, or whatever kind of war reenactors. Obviously, there's enough distance away to be able to do something like that. But just imagine. Okay, okay. What if there was an Iraq War reenactment, right? That feels gross, right? That That feels a little like... And then all the racist things the other guys say, and then who plays the but who plays the do we Iraqis? Not, do we not have like TV shows based on like? Yeah, war I, and... I'm I'm gonna put it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Like we too. maybe don't have like literal reenactment, but we do watch TV shows about these things. About you know, and, documentaries. Are... I, I remember how Black Hawk Down came. A bunch of movies came out, but like Black Hawk Down specifically was was is a well known movie uh, with Josh Hartnett and all that stuff, and it was just it was a couple of years after 9/11, which. 2001 for you, you young people like Jasmine. I remember saying, I'm not going to that movie. I, it, it helps to tell people that I'm a New York New Yorker. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna glorify you know, a situation that just happened. And then any movie, John Cena was in one of those uh, movies too. Oh, I'm a fireman hero. He was, he was a fireman in this movie and he has to attack terrorists. I'm like, come on. Is that what we're gonna do? Is that what we're gonna do right now? So like, I, that's why I had this visceral reaction. Not, it was not that visceral. It was kind of like, this is, creeping me out it's like you know this kind of like trying to bring the horrors out there inside here and trying to make fun of it or trying to oh, trying to make fun of it would be one thing but like an actual scary haunted house where you can like literally step outside the walls and have the same experience only it'll kill you sorry I, I know i'm going on and on but like i wanted to explain in some word wise how i felt yeah oh yeah zero dark 30 
Aiden mentions in the, in the chat as well. He also says, will Herschel go to the Commonwealth? Because he's not there. He's with Maggie and Lydia. At the hold up, they did mention that in this episode. I think right after the petting zoo thing where he, where mm, Zeke mm-hmm. gives the collar to Ezra. Aiden's got it. Yeah, it's Ezekiel to Carol. Have you got word from Maggie or Lydia yet? Obviously, we didn't see Aaron in this episode. I'm curious. Good. I don't want to see his He better be off training ass. grassy. See. <laughs> see. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Go ahead. So- <laughs> We didn't we didn't see Aaron or Gracie in this episode, which I feel is after what we saw last week, I thought that was quite strange. I thought we would see Gracie come to the Commonwealth, you know, be safe with Judas and RJ and Jerry's kids. Based on the fact we didn't see them, I'm assuming that they're still back at Alexandria. That's a that's a really good observation. You would have thought or you would have seen them at least once. Yeah, or, I mean if they hill- if they are in the Commonwealth, I would imagine we would have seen that in the episode. So I'm assuming that means they're back home. But I also think that's really strange because we literally just saw Gracie in imminent danger. My thoughts would be Aaron was like, safe place, let's go. Especially if everyone else was going, you know? Right, no, no. And that makes, you're saying, especially after the events of the last episode, because like, uh, Gracie's almost mm-hmm. almost died and Aaron almost died technically too. Okay, yeah. people, you don't shimmy across a shitter pipe. Aiden says, I thought Virgil would be there because of his injuries too. But that's, that's all. I feel like noteworthy. Virgil might be side character enough that he doesn't get time but he could still be there are they kind of playing up that it's so large that we wouldn't have seen everyone that's there that could be true i think that's also possible yeah in a in a in a community of fifty thousand people i think it was right or is it 80 50 i feel like it's 80 yeah that could very well be gracie would have wanted to go to the fair especially with judith and stuff so you know yeah yeah or maybe maybe there was tension after that moment like it was like uh i can't keep protecting you gracie oh that's how Judith sounds. That that's that's one thing. That's a good thing to bring up, actually, because I was actually slightly disappointed that we didn't get to see everyone like arriving at the Commonwealth for the first time. We didn't get like the reunions between characters, like Ezekiel and Carol, like their actual reunion, like the first time they saw each other again. We never get to see like initial reactions to like, whoa, where are we? Oh, like like when they came uh, to Alexandria, yeah. like that whole. Yeah, like, I would I would I would have really might. liked to see that rather than just have the 30 day time skip. We might though, because there was that, um, that little scene between Carol and Lance in the preview for next week. And it seemed to me like this was before she arrived at Commonwealth. I, I actually get the feeling they might be going to the alternative outpost for Commonwealth. Their dialogue kind of implied that this is post getting the wine. Because obviously in the comic book, they they had like the alternative settlement that was like their, the vacation home. <laughs> yeah. I also kind of want to note that just, just since you brought it up, when Carol does what she does, Lance is happy. She's checking up on him post the party. And was the wine good? Yeah. There's the implication that Carol, she doesn't hesitate from saying, you know, what's next on your list. There's just no hesitation. I kind of, I found that very interesting because I feel like she's willing to do whatever it takes, even though she may already know this guy's trying to take advantage of her. Yeah, but being aware of that, I think, puts her in in more control she knows he's manipulative. And knowing that going into this situation, she can have a little more control over it. So yes, definitely. But I'm also thinking, I don't think she cares. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think nothing can well, be worse. Yeah, I think nothing can be worse mm-hmm. than being out there. That Do you know what I mean? Like, there's that mm-hmm. weird thing where I'm in the right place where I need to be. I also feel like maybe she's like, I've got nothing to lose by kind of, I'll sell myself to the devil as long as Ezekiel gets to live. Because personally, like me having to do anything that he asks, I, I don't mean enough. Almost. Like, in her own mind, obviously. Yeah, I can, I can sense that. 
But then, you know, we all know that Carol's mm-hmm. 100% super capable, savvy, ninja, long-haired yeah. ninja. Ninja with the long hair is what I called her in my notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's definitely going to have to go undercover-ish again. That's the irony is that like, yes, undercover, but yes, also she's just being herself. There's that mixture of being hesitant about what this community means, but not hesitating when it comes to doing what she needs to do. There's that slight apprehension of like, I don't know what this community is. I I don't know 100% how it works, but I kind of know what I need to do here and it's working. But and she goes into that headstrong, like who sneaks in? you know, 30 days in, not knowing what the punishment might be, into the the medical office to try to find out where Ezekiel is on the list. Who knows what the punishment is going to be 30 days in for doing something like that? Do you get kicked out the waltz? She just does it. She just does it. So again, it's like this mix of, I'm not really sure about this point, but she does it anyway, and she just goes in. That's what I mean about, like, her not necessarily caring about herself. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is the task. I'll do what it takes to complete it. Uh, Aiden says, mm-hmm. Carol's known for looking at people and playing their game. She always offers deals like offering the deal to Negan and also the highwaymen. Mm-hmm. Also, what if she was caught by someone other than Tomichi? He probably helped her get out. Had Without she been caught noticed. by somebody else? Yeah, but that's kind of what I mean. Like, it could have been anybody, mm-hmm. right? Well, it let's could've... be honest. If Carol was caught by somebody else, they'd probably be dead. <laughs> and then what? Well, she, then... I think she could sweet talk her way out of it. <laughs> but then what would happen? She would her? try. She right. would try that first. But if it didn't work, she'd take him out. <laughs> Right. But again, what would happen? What's the, there's an avalanche of consequences from that. Someone dying in the Commonwealth is probably a very unusual occurrence. So I think either A, it would probably get covered up, or B, uh, it would be like a huge, like, we will find this person. We will find whoever has done it because we are the Commonwealth. Yeah. And Carol would probably be the last person they'd look at, too. And she knows mm-hmm. it. I'm I not 100 I feel, like they, I feel like they'd pull up all the newbies, to be honest. And I don't think yeah. Carol would be willing to let anyone else take the fall. I mean, she's still a human being, guys. So that depends. Now, now we're getting into a scenario where they actually find out and round every, that that that's way down the road. But yeah. I mean, if she or, were in a situation, she'd handle it. The point yeah. is, she'd handle it. Well, <laughs> it, but counterpoint, counterpoint. If she's not around, or if she does get into a situation where she cannot help Zeke anymore, then she wouldn't do it. If you draw breath, you're still here. You're still alive. And or in handcuffs, you're not. So like, it, it, she needs to be around to be able to help Zeke. So she's not going to put herself, she's not going to do things like kill people to, Not unless she has to. Right. But even has to is a a situation, is a concern, right? Because if she has to, she's already failed. It's kind of like Daryl in the teamwork test. Do you know what I mean? Like if she has to kill somebody, she's already failed the test. So she's going to be super careful. But like, again, she's going into these situations not knowing how she's going to come out of it anyway. I mean, I, I don't know. she's not being that careful because we just said, what if someone right. besides Tommy walked in? It could have right. been anyone. It just happened to be Tommy. So is she really being careful? <laughs> Look, uh, she, maybe Gabriel's not the only one communing with God. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she's maybe she's getting hidden messages like, go now. Go I, I, almost, now. I almost think that, right? Because she's so smooth. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Did everyone see Ezekiel's last name on the records? No. You didn't did you? see his last name? Yeah, of course I did. What is it? Sutton. Ezekiel Sutton. Mm-hmm. That is super cool. Yes. And I don't know what the significance is. Maybe this was uh, the date of his physical or whatever. I don't know. But but the the literally the only words I could make out on this fucking document were length of com- Commonwealth residency, 28 days. Oh, 
Okay. Length length of residency, like meaning the How long has he been in the Commonwealth? Okay. Length okay. of Commonwealth residency. That's how I took it anyway. Twenty eight days. Twenty eight days later. Yeah, that's what I thought too, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Earl and Tammy Rose. I made note of Earl and Tammy Rose Ezekiel Sutton as well. Is the child. <laughs> or, or he's made he could be borrowing their name. I don't know. Cool observation. Thank you, Rachel. That was really cool. I did want to say one thing because I don't know if it's going to come up in any other any other context. So Celeste, the person who plays who Mercer. wore oh, the, the costume girl. of Mercer, yeah. yeah, who wore the costume of Mercer, who won the is, ten lottery tickets, is, is Ezekiel's daughter. Yeah, Kari's daughter. Yeah, it's Kari's daughter. Did I say Ezekiel yeah. Payton? Whatever. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Kari. I I was like, is that is that her? Is is that her? It doesn't. Yeah. I I found an article from like Brazil and I had to translate it because <gasps> that's the only place I could find c- confirm that it was. Really, I found like three different articles i swear an article just popped up about it in my like facebook feed while i was scrolling i was like oh that's cool and i kept scrolling yeah yeah something like, popped no up in front of my face to find that. yeah and then i looked and then i looked into it more to get more confirmation i'm like yeah maya her name's maya okay i bring this up because the winner of the costume contest gets 10 lottery tickets we had mentioned this obviously this is a thing that was posted on elodie's cake shop when we first see the commonwealth we were wondering what it was and we had hints of it from the comic but it seems like the only upward mobility into and it's literally two classes the worker class and the fuck you i'm rich class right <laughs> um but obviously different jobs have different like payment scales like it can't just be worker payment scale and higher class payment scale surely there must be like a differentiation between the baker that is Carol and somebody else that has a different job that's not like yeah. a waiter. There might be Magna yeah. and Carol. Well, maybe not like a waiter because they're quite similar jobs, but like a baker and a soldier. I don't think a soldier's going to get paid the same as like a lawyer and then like etc. Well, lawyers going to be part of that elite, elite tier class, though. right? Yeah. Right. That yeah, but I don't color. think like the soldiers are going to get paid the same as the bakers and the waiters and stuff. Well, let's let's simplify. Hmm. So there's there's the white collar class, and then there's the blue collar class. The soldiers are over here because it seems like being a soldier or a trooper kind of removes them even from the class system. It yeah, seems that way. Yeah, but they have families and stuff, and our families yeah. have to sit somewhere on the class system. So they must right, be but, somewhat within the system. But if you are I, a soldier, you get more payment. It seems like right. And, and so yeah, but you don't get but you don't get enough to like be rich. You're not an elite, no. but I'm gonna I'm gonna but agree with you, Jasmine, because of what because of what we hear Tyler say. Like he was demoted from soldier to waiter, and he's like, I can't support my sister and her kids anymore. So clearly, the soldiers are making more than you know the the servants. But the soldier isn't going to make as much of a lawyer, is like what I mean. Like, no, no, like, no. That's kind of why like, I there's, a, there's a layering. There's not. It's not just like black and white. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, there is definitely a layering. But like, I almost put the soldiers off to the side, and and because it's always been like that, you know, with the GI. Uh, what is it called? The GI. GI bill. Thank you. Ugh. So the GI bill offers the promise for soldiers to a go to college, b have a stipend even if they have a, another job. So, you know, when you serve your country, you, you get that kind of like you're out, you get that extra, you're outside of that normal system, even though, as we all know, you know, it, if you go to combat, you know, you come back different and broken. And maybe this is their way of saying, well, we're not going to leave you completely in the lurch, you know, monetarily. So, but yeah, it is a layer cake, but it is increase. It, it seems increasingly obvious. And maybe it's not so obvious because maybe Tommy was in that middle where he he did what he wanted to do was okay with what he was getting 
you know, for that moment, but then was jerked up to the top class, which is not what he wanted. Clearly, there's not much to say else about that other than then he looks like shit. Uh, <laughs> but there is that, that that top layer of like, OK, there's a membrane between those classes, the bottom blue collar classes and the white collar class. But the only way to get to that class, if you are in the blue collar tier, is this lottery. Is, does that jive with what everybody thinks is going on here? Because they don't really explicitly say it. They say, hey, look at this chick. She was she won the lottery. Now she's here. This is actually more of a question than a theory. But do we think that like people are allowed to progress from their roles and apply for new jobs? Or are they assigned and that's it? Like, is there an application mm, process? Good question. Can you, can you as a wait as a waiter, can you apply to be a baker? As a baker, can you apply to be a waiter, or is that just it? Are you just fixed? That, that's kind of why I said what I said, right? Because okay, Rach, as we both know, because you you told me and you taught me things from the comic book, it feels like that's it. That's what you are forever until you die. But why I said the comment, that's why I said the trooper class is kind of over here because it's like if you want to escape. The position. It's genius, by the way. It's absolutely genius. Hey, if you're not happy with what you are before, were before, you can always be this thing and get paid more to kill things, right? Um, Does that make sense? Follow-up question. Yeah. The children, children of higher class people, do they just get to have higher class jobs and children of lower class people are just forced to take lower class jobs? So That would be my assumption. So yeah, I, that's what I'm starting to think. And mm -hmm. there's evidence of that even though they don't really explicitly say it okay because look at first of all look at sebastian okay what is his job yeah but oh, i feel like we can, we can we can put we can put sebastian like on Just like, like his a mother whole, like like sebastian we can put like on a whole nother like level i have another example say, say if yumiko had a kid yeah. how would yumiko's child be treated different from judith I don't, Yumiko doesn't have a kid, but I can't think of an example of a person that does. But if she did, yeah. Obviously, let's start with kids are kids and they're going to be treated like kids. Obviously, the fact that May and Judith are playing. Yeah. I, I There's an importance to May, but that they're able to play together, even though they're from different classes. And I can tell you why they're in different classes, because of I, the end. Okay. What Please are those? elaborate. I, I didn't know where the hell May stuck in. Like, I don't know who her parents are. I, I, do we know? Did they tell us? I watched the episode five times. Okay, <laughs> but you have to watch the episode sort of in reverse. At the at the end of the gala, when they're clearing everybody out, you see little envelopes full of money. Mm -hmm. Were you just like me thinking, that's an allowance? No, I had no thoughts. I was questioning I, all of I, it. I was thinking that either A, it's buying of silence for what happened, or B, it might be something mm. that's actually behind Pamela's back. I'm thinking it's one, I was thinking it was one of them two options. Hmm. So there, there, I did think that as well, but I was also thinking, okay, why would you bring this up? Why would it look like a parent giving their children allowance? It, it did sort of have that feeling because it was out in the open. It was obvious. The journalist was there and they're trying to shove her in away, but like she saw it. We can't deny that Connie didn't see what she saw. And I don't oh, think yeah. they were desperately trying to do it because I think they don't care. So that's the other side of me thinking you can't drop a word like allowance without tying it to like these adults here with allowance. And then I thought to myself, when Daryl brought in the kitchen, the stuff from the kitchen, right? He was bringing in these, these Tupperware things from the kitchen. And then I'm thinking to myself, mm. there's a kitchen, which means the, the blue collar class. I, first of all, I don't think they have money. I think people are being taken care of, at least in terms of food, where they have these kitchens and there are lines to get to the kitchen. And he was last in line or whatever. He's late in the line. So there is a an allotment. There's an assortment. There's there there. It's a soup kitchen essentially. 
but mm-hmm. a better I'm I'm it looks like a better soup kitchen maybe which then brought me back to like so then where is this allowance shit coming from and then I thought May is definitely one of those upper class kids because her mom gets an allowance from mommy uh, Milton so I cuz let's think about it do do you think these people are making enough money to be able to give kids an allowance essentially like everywhere i'm not just talking about the upper tiers like the lower tiers is there enough I, money to give as long as they're being fed and having fun i don't think they care right well part of having fun would be buying yourself little treats and trinkets but it seems like that, the only way to do that is if you're a soldier or an upper class person like as evidenced by daryl saying can i wait till my job as a soldier comes in you know, yeah like, well right? I, if i can if i can step back just a little bit to what Jasmine had said previously about um, moving up in the ranks. Personally, I do think it would be allowed to move up in ranks par- as part of the lower class. Like you can move around from job to job in the lower class, but I don't think I, without a lottery ticket, you're not going from the lower level to the upper level with the elite. But I think below that level, like say, let's say someone just works in the bakery but they want to become the baker. I think that would be allowed. Okay. So within the same type of position. Ranks. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, within the same ranks. Yeah. You know, yeah. down here. Like but someone, ranks... someone, someone that works at the bakery can start working as a waiter. Sure. Yes. Because it's in the same lower tier. Yeah. Like uh, a lower tier job can apply for a different lower tier job. Is See, this, I'm not... I, is this coming out? No, no, no. Right? That, that, I think I, I hear you loud. At first, I wasn't okay. sure. I don't think so. Okay, this is what I was kind of saying before, because it Rosita does have that conversation with Magno just like it was before. And then I said, girls, I'm going to slap the shit out of you because it's not, this is not like it was before. You can apply for any job in the world before. And you can, mm. and if you work hard enough and if you're innovative enough, you can be successful. If that's what that's you what really- That's what they tell, that's what they tell what you, you really, isn't it? But that's if they you really you. want it. If you really want it that badly, you can, you can make a better life for yourself and your children. It, can we at least agree to that? Or at least your children. Well, right. If, if you mean in the respects of like, for example, there's no option to educate yourself further in the Commonwealth. So you can't get a better job. Well, this is kind of what I'm getting Or you to. can't set, and you, in the Commonwealth, you can't set up a business. Or you can't, no. you know, you can't have your, you can't have your own no. idea. You can't be self-employed. It, it is assigned to you. There is no... That's why it's like you you say that it's like the world before, but it it's this this weird facade or joke of what it was before. Like we assign you your job. That's what you don't think have these ideas of being an entrepreneur. We you do what we tell or you like, to do. There's no option to be like, oh, I was actually like I was only 18 when say I was only 18 when the apocalypse started. So I only have a high school education, but I was going to go to university. To become a lawyer there's no yeah we'll give you training to become a lawyer or there's no yeah we'll give you training to become a doctor no. even though you don't already have that education you can't train into something better you can't well they have to have some else. sort of system because otherwise if your doctor dies then you have no doctor like if you haven't so they have to build Agreed. some sort of system but the children of the higher class individuals get to have that training if you are the child of a lower class individual at 18 you don't get to have that training. You get told, right, okay, here's your job. Here's the job we've got you. Whereas you get to 18 as like the child of a high class person. They're like, cool, what do you want to do? You want to be a lawyer? Yeah, cool. We'll train you. Uh, So a doctor's kid would have to become a doctor. Well, no. Would have the option to, at the very least. Right. Is my kind of feeling on it. I'm almost thinking that even that upper class tier must play the role. Like, because, and Tommy's an example of that. 
you must be a doctor. I know that's mm-hmm. the exception or like, or, I don't know, because doctors, right? Because that's, you look at the hospital and once once we came into the hospital, for, and this is a good drop for this, I was like, whoa, hospital. June mm-hmm. would shit herself seeing all these people being taken care of. And then you mm-hmm. find out that they're on a single file first come first serve line, which made me be like, think, oh my God, there's so many people that are probably suffering right now. It's not by need. It's whoever got in line first. And I was like, that's a horror show. I all, all there's a combination of it's like, a triage I feel like, system though. I think no, but I think the triage system is likely a combination of when you got on the list and also your class. I feel like they're the only two factors. I don't well, think it's I, like oh. the severity of your illness. It's like how important are you to the Commonwealth and when did you mm-hmm. get on the list? Yeah. Okay. I agree. I agree with I, that. I was, that's yeah, why that's some... why Ezekiel's so far down. I'm almost I'm almost well I, how important you are to the Commonwealth is relative because I, I really almost think that it's if you're not one of those white collar people that can be seen immediately and cut the line like the VIP list at a convention, you're in a line. It doesn't matter what you have. You can die waiting for that gunshot wound. I th- that's what I think. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't I think mean, they're doing it by need. Yeah, I don't think they are either. I think if we you're to, a blue collar worker, I, I think we have to also assume that that's primarily like specified to like surgeries. I think, you know, if you came in with like, I broke my arm, I don't think they would be like, come back in a couple of weeks. I think they would just deal with it then. Like things they can deal with. Surely. I'm not sure about that. I really don't. Because this, because Ezekiel should but, have this surgery now. <laughs> but having a surgery is very different from a having, broken arm. Ha- having a broken arm or like needing like urgent intervention. Um, Ezekiel is still like, able to function. He's not mm-hmm. incapacitated. Like if someone right. came in with a broken arm, like Jasmine said, they would be unable to do their work. And, and, it, and it also doesn't require do surgery. Work, Someone with yes. less training. Could just be someone, someone with someone that's a nurse. A nurse, for example. Right. A nurse, mm-hmm. a nurse mm-hmm. can deal with a broken arm, but a nurse can't cut open Ezekiel and sort him out. If that makes sense. But this is where we start getting into the weeds. Into like, okay, hey Angela Kane, can you tell us what exactly would happen if somebody with a broken arm would come in? And then, like, by the <laughs> way, she might she might as well say, yeah, die poor. But so it could be that. Do you know what I mean? I like, mean, oh, I hope you die from your broken arm. I mean, so, I like to. I would like to think, like any hospital, yeah. there's a surgery department, there's an accident and emergency department, there's a, I don't know, pediatric department. Right, right. You know, I feel like there has to so be maybe lots, there's of several lists. De- lots of different departments that triage, hmm. you know, in a certain way. Like the accident emergency doesn't associate with the surgery department. Okay, no, I, I can agree. I can agree to that. Like, I, I, so if isn't like a so there's maybe there's a list of life threatening injuries. If you come in first with a gunshot wound and somebody else comes in with a gunshot wound and one isn't so bad, doesn't matter. The first guy that comes in gets it. <laughs> yeah, because that's because yeah. that's surgery. Because uh, well, if it, if it requires surgery, but no right. one's gonna go. You know, there's. I think there's gonna be enough staff that two that, that that you can hold pressure on one person and the other person. You know, right? It's just if if they both need surgery, it's gonna be like, well, that person came in first. Like the gunshot might not be as severe, but he's getting the surgery. Okay, let's say regardless though, let's take a step back. Regardless of that, it paints a bleak picture of how they triage things. Like it, it's yeah. not that they're triaging things the way we are today. So again, another sign you whoever says it's just like the today's world, it's not. Because that's not how we do things in the real world. We actually take we try. We try to take care of people better than yeah, they do. I, We're better I'm, than when, them. When I'm working on the ambulance, I frequently get redirected from the slightly minor call to the person is dying call. Th- Which th- I- thank you. 
Sorry. But that usually just means that the person that called the ambulance lied a little bit over the phone to make it sound worse than it was. Is that is that true? Oh my god. Yeah, that happens okay. a lot. People people will like people will be like they're unresponsive. Send an ambulance immediately, and you get there, and they're like, ah, oh, they're fine. No, they were just on mute <laughs> <laughs> when they called. Before we venture away from Ezekiel and his place in line. He is patient number 147. So angel number 147, the meaning behind it is success pillars. And what is this in the context of numerology? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They just kept calling it like angel number 147. So when you see the number 147 over and over again, it's supposed to be like an angel speaking to you. Pay attention to these signs. So it represents a better future. The message from angel number 147 is that you have to be steadfast, a steadfast person with fortitude and ability to make the right choices. Don't waver. Persistence is what will determine whether you achieve your goals. Honesty and trust are other attributes associated with number 147. Number 147 warns us to keep on pushing through tough times because others are depending on us. Yeah, Zeke. <laughs> Stop being an idiot, martyr. Doesn't, okay. Aren't you a little frustrated? We, we've spoken on this before, but like, and maybe this is a good opportunity for Bridget to, to express some feelings if she has any. But doesn't it frustrate you that Zeke is being a martyr for no reason, Bridget? Or well, unless you think otherwise. Okay, the Commonwealth knows. They took him away to see a doctor. They know. They know. Like, end of story, they know. <laughs> they, gave, so, they gave me a Ricola yeah. and a slap on the butt. Yeah, it's like, you know? here's some guy with <laughs> lollipops. So, like, I don't know why at the beginning it was this whole, like, I'm fooling them. Like, they they intake how many people? Like, you're not fooling anybody. You have a giant freaking goiter on your neck. Everyone knows that something's wrong with your neck. Like, it's so obvious. I just, I don't, I get what he's doing. He's like, I'm going to try to downplay everything so that, like, I don't draw attention because this is a situation in which you don't want to draw attention because you don't know what you're kind of walking into. So I get what he was doing. Yeah, at first. But at the same time, this is like World Beyond, where they kept talking, like, in those rooms. And I was like, obviously, CRM Wait, what is going to have recording. They're going to have recordings of all of this. They're going to know what you're saying because they have rooms mm. bugged. What are you, stupid? You mean at the research facility? Just, yes. Just to like, kind of be clear. the same thing where I'm like, clearly they know. Are you right. dumb? Like, they're going to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. As it turns out, I had big feelings about this. I didn't know until just now, but I had some really big feelings about this. <laughs> um, I like it. Saying the thing so we don't have to. I would like to say that I don't think he is being a martyr, though. He genuinely doesn't want people to worry about him. Like like people like Jerry and Jerry's kids and Carol and stuff. I don't think he wants them to be worried about him dying. So he tries to play it down. But why? It, just for that sake? or But he doesn't have to die. Like, I don't think anything he could do at this point would stop him from dying. And I think he's come to accept that. I'm not going to have all my loved ones around me think of me as the person that's going to die. I just, I still want to be me. I want to I act tough. I want to put on, a, like, a front. And, like, so many sick people do that in the real world. Right, but more to your point, maybe he's seen the system for what it is, and he's like, I may die through this. So I don't want to just, I, I'm just going to go, I'm going to fake it till I make it, right? Just like he did at the kingdom, sort of, but more like a normal human being. Yes. Does that sound right? Yeah, because it's one thing to say, I don't want people to worry about me, but it's another to say within the context of, I'm going to die of this thing I could be cured of. But Which is a bigger point. Because he's on such a long waiting list. Right, but it's to illustrate, I'm okay with this, which we need to hear from you. <sighs> because it, it, it illustrates the world they're living in now. And, and with all its perks, aka not being in the wasteland, 
there are some drawbacks. And that's when you have this medical attention that you need, you're not going to get it. Which almost makes me feel more helpless. Like, talk about Sharon D. I felt like a sense of helplessness from Sharon D. when it came to Gracie. It's hard being on the other end of that glass or plastic, whatever it is your TV is, and to see somebody who isn't trained and you're like, I want to help this girl, but I can't. So I'm dad. So I'm blaming the dad for being a jerk. It's like I, I can't do anything, but he can. So when I see Ezekiel, I'm just like, well, this is the, this is the, that's the world that he's living in. There's like a little parallel between Gracie and he. That's like, oh, I'm forced to not be adequate enough, or I'm forced to not being I, be able to get help. Gracie has I, had training, but it's not taking. It's not taking. It's just not taking. Period. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like. I, Ezekiel doesn't have the choice to like go up there and be like, operate on me now. Gracie could take it upon herself and say, hey, look, I don't feel prepared. I need to train more. We're more talking about talking about Sharondy feeling helpless over Gracie not having the training. That's that's more what I want to focus on. There's a similar feeling here. I can't do anything about this. That sucks. It, it, but instead, Zeke's kind of like saying, well, if that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. That's And that's well, frustrating yeah. to me. But, you know, if he's that, okay with it, then I have to be okay with it. That's typical Ezekiel, though, isn't it? Right? Mm. Like, I, if this is if this is the time I have left, I'm gonna enjoy it, and I'm gonna wear a smile on my face, and I'm gonna enjoy my last moments. Right. Still finding reasons to smile. I mean, what what are what really are his choices? Sit in an apartment, dark and alone, crying, feeling sorry for himself. That's not Zeke. Right. But it's cool that we get to see that he has no choice because before we we're like, what the fuck, dude? What the f Carol's making sure he has a choice. Yeah, I like it. I like <laughs> it. I'm here for it. I skip Sebastian at this point because I was just going to say like nepotism. He's not is clear. worth our time. Well, more like that nepotism <laughs> clearly is a thing, right? Because what is his thing? I think. Being, oh, and being a somebody, disappointment so, to his mother. Like, yeah, I, apparently. I, I, I don't think he is. Mm -hmm. Go on. So Ooh. in the comic book, it's quite clear that Pamela's pretty low disapproving of her son, and it's like, what do I do? This kid is awful. But then I feel like Pamela in the TV show is saying being set up more villainous and kind of in a manner where it's like yeah he's my son he can do what the fuck he wants she's not just raised him poorly like she like she did in the in the comic she's actually enabling him and you know he's like she's like well done sebastian for catching this person that everyone knows we didn't really catch even her so, yeah. probably she yeah. she's got to even yeah. know that so jasmine let me ask you when so Sebastian, Rosita, Daryl, Mercer are out there doing the advanced military training. And we see Pamela walk by and shoot that glare over there. Who do you think she's looking at? Sebastian or Daryl or Mercer? Mm -hmm. or, yeah. I, I think it's... Who I is think that it's, glare? I, I, don't, I don't think I was directed at Sebastian. I think that was directed at basically everybody else that was stood there. Okay. All right. See, and I saw her glaring at Sebastian for needing help. Like, she was disappointed he couldn't take the walker down and Daryl had to step in. That was what I oh, saw. Okay, okay. I what interpreted the scene different. You know, it's funny, because we just got off talking about Aaron again, but what what a parallel to Aaron, in a way, of what a good parent is and a bad parent is. Or maybe, maybe, bo bad, both of them are bad parents, so you can argue Sharon D. <laughs> but, For different but reasons. Clearly, Aaron yes. is a good parent but not a good enough parent, let's say. But then there's Pamela Milton, who happens to be at the right place at the right time to be this person of status. Or maybe she helped build the thing. We don't know. Maybe we will. But this guy has fallen into, Sebastian's fallen into this position, and she's disappointed in him and blames him for not being where he ought to be. Just like Aaron could of Gracie. Like, why isn't this? 
Why isn't this training taking? Why is it taking? Er, what a bad daughter. You know, blah, whatever. <laughs> but he doesn't. So I just find that relationship. We're seeing two different relationships between parent and child. And like, oh, you're a constant disappointment. You like, I, I'm almost seeing that glare. You could be anything you want to be. And yet you, you fail at everything. Hmm. That's kind of what I was getting out of that. But more to your point, I feel like she could be, and I don't think she's looking at Mercer that way at all. I think she thinks the world of Mercer. Like, thank God for this guy. He is my, my statue in the square. He is my, uh, let's say, American flag flapping in the wind. He's everything everybody's going to look to as a sign of hope. Oh, thank God Mercer's here, right? I, whether whether it's I'm a personal sure symbol that. or if it's a just a, a whole thing she can avatar. She likes the fact that Mercer is in this position because it's good for her optics. It's good for... That's it, what I mean. It's yeah. good. It, makes, <laughs> it makes her look good. But I don't think she personally has any feelings towards him whatsoever. I think she's just like... Could be. You are, you right. are good for optics. Other than that, I don't really give a shit. Could be. I mean, then we have to ask ourselves, does Pamela Milton have feelings at all? If anything, it just seems like she has disdain for, like, all of mm-hmm. those around her. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think she thinks that basically about everyone status is for her. her. Except for mm-hmm. Maxine. Or Max. You mean Stephanie. Yeah. We'll call, real, we'll, get that, real Get Stephanie. that name out of your mouth. Uh, also, we'll she, we'll call not, her Max not, for now. It's not Max. It's Alex. Because I think no, it's, it's Max. Max. It's, no, it I, is Max. I, I watched with subtitles. It's Max. I promise. I, I promise you it's Alex. Max. Then their subtitles are wrong. I promise you it's Max. <laughs> I promise. Who do I listen her, to? But Jasmine, you read the comics. You know Maxwell Hawkins was her assistant. Yeah. They, they change yeah. names all the time. It's Max. But uh, We'll get to that because I, I swear to God... <laughs> During this watch, I was thinking in the beginning, like, what if we have this all wrong? We no, we oh, we keep okay. thinking, we keep right, we keep thinking that Stephanie is Eugene's love, and just like Dante with Maggie, who wasn't there. What if Stephanie has been pulling the strings from both ends, on both Lance Lance's end and Pamela Milton's end, and she's running the whole show? I had said something to the equivalent, but like I didn't you really mean drill down. Other to, Stephanie, right? No, no, no. I mean Max. Version Shell, of Stephanie. Oh, oh, okay. Not yeah. Shell Ramos. Okay. Nah. nah. Okay. Margot Margo Bingham. Margot Bingham. I Definitely. had another I had another theory pop into my head that I don't like. And I'm okay, gonna no, say I don't it like out this either. anyway. Let, let me let me let me let me drill down. <laughs> but because it's clear, like in this episode, they're kind of painting Lance as somewhat of a sympathetic character. And Pamela Milton as really you can't one hundred percent tell. You you can tell she's a politician. And that disdain that normal people have for politicians. And you see this little opportunity for her to really have genuine care for Tyler Davis or maybe Max. I can't tell, but I could feel there's there may have been a genuine sense of which got me to think that maybe maybe Pamela Milton just doesn't know. She just doesn't know. She thinks everything she's doing right. I don't think she generally has disdain for the lower classes. She thinks the system works. Perhaps she thinks people are happy. Yeah, I think yeah, she truly yeah. believes people are happy. I don't think she's mal- yeah. malicious. There's ah, another no, ba- based on based on the way that she was like, there isn't any more, is there? Kind of like I think I think she was like genuinely scared, Shocked. but not not because mm-hmm. no no not because she cares about the people. It's more of oh take yeah me down? No. oh no yeah no, no the, the, I... you can live in both no, worlds. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Right? Uh, she like, thinks people are happy, but I don't think she cares about them. She didn't even, she, yeah, like she couldn't even make time to like speak to people that aren't within right. her class. But I also don't think she sees a problem with that. She thinks, I, that's normal, I truly believe right? Pamela thinks but, people are happy with her ignoring them 
And uh, no, I don't. I think, don't think she's. I, I don't. I don't think she's thought about whether that happened or not. I don't think she cares. I think uh, that, she's no. Just, I want to yeah. hone she's in on what you said just now. Egotistical. And well, I, I, th- I think there's a difference between being ignorant and being selfish and egotistical. I don't. I, I, think, I, she's, I, do. I don't think she's ignorant. I think she's. She just doesn't. She just doesn't care. Okay. No. No. I'll, I'll let that hang because I, I. I disagree. But again, we don't 100% know anyway because. I feel like there's a genuine sense of everybody's happy. The system works, blah, 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 which, okay. There is a social commentary for that, but that aside, I I genuinely think she thinks the system works. Mm -hmm. I do see her have a care for this Tyler Davis character. Oh, what's, what's wrong? I I thought the system was working. What what happened to you? I think that's, that's purely for why don't I know the way, the way she, way she reacted purely was to try and deescalate the situation, try to pretend to show sympathy. Okay, no, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. Again, we we were we're trying to discern what's what's. I mean, kudos to everybody. What's indiscernible? Mm-hmm. What's nearly indiscernible? Like you, you, she very much appears like she cares, but it could be for Max. It could be for Tyler Davis. It could, but they're. I don't know. It they tried to show care. Could be. Could be. Could well be. Sebastian clearly <laughs> does not care about his image, and, and maybe that's the biggest no. disappointment. Okay, so maybe that's it though. Maybe the reason why she's so disappointed is that there is a system, and I'm, and Daryl is slowly starting to see it, whereas Carol immediately sees it, and then and it's that the money is just a sham of a currency. Like the only upward mobility is knowing who to please or knowing how to game the system to to curry favor, let's say. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like Carol going up to Lance and finding an opportunity. It's like it's literally what Mercer says. He says. You have to learn how to set people up to win. It's the perfect line to illustrate the only way to gain up, upward mobility. Because even Kari Payton's daughter, Celeste, <laughs> winning that contest is, I mean, look, it's, it's a great costume. Okay, I, I'll say that much. It's, it's just such a cute costume and she's so adorable. But clearly, clearly she won because it was Mercer. Yeah. Uh, can we agree to that, maybe? A hundred percent. I, I, I know she's wrote adorable. That in my notes. Right, because... And, and 10 lottery tickets, that's fucking amazing. Because And that's the way. That's the lottery system is the way to get up to, to get upward mobility. And I'll say why I know this. I know I'm bouncing around and I'm sorry. Right next to her is, is a kid dressed up as Pamela Milton. Clearly, people are desperate to get out of that class system. She clearly, that kid looked like Pamela Milton. She's And I see her face and she's like, please, it's me. I'm Pamela Milton. Like, and then, because, you know, you're watching the second time, and you're like, oh, my God, is it this bad that you have to dress, you have to feel like you have to dress up as this person to win? And then you what? still don't win. It's, it's the kid I that mean, take a look her. at Daryl's, like, tenement building lifestyle he's got going on right now. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's that bad. Like, it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. that bad that you'd want to get out of it. Paper walls, right? Which is also another allegory, right? Like, oh, this is all being held up by... I. A flim, like perhaps a flimsy idea, and Pamela is ignorant to it. I, the more we dig into it, the more like this is going to start unraveling quickly. And the thing that gets me the most is when Mercer sees it, he has this look, this like grown look that like oh, this shit again. I gotta say the right way. I gotta say military advanced military training. Sorry, Sebastian. Mm-hmm. The irony is that Sebastian doesn't pretend to do what everybody else does. He does what he feels like doing. What Tommy could have been doing until he got caught. And yet Sebastian can do whatever he wants. And that's why Pamela is disappointed. Because he's not being the example of somebody who at least try, tries to be a politician. Do you know what I mean? 
because it goes back to the nepotism thing. You are what you're supposed, what your parents used to be. I, I think she wants him to be a politician, but he's such a fucking dick that he can't even deign to pretend. Maybe to Jasmine's point, can't even deign to pretend to have care for other people. So maybe you're right, Jasmine. Yeah, At least that. Pamela can pretend to care, right? Yeah. She can, yeah. She just can like put her on father. a caring face. I want to go back just a little bit. I just want to share my my Max theory. It's so stupid, and I hate it so much, and I want, to, I want nothing more than to be wrong. But what if she really is Max? But when she was talking to Eugene, she lied and said her name was Stephanie. And the Stephanie we meet really is Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 100% I agree. <laughs> 100 I hate I it. I hate it. I don't want to be right. I, I hate, hate this theory. I hate it because it, <laughs> it says something even bigger about who Maxine is. Is yeah. it Maxine? Maxine I, is. I would assume. Yeah. I would assume Maxine. Because she poses as this. And maybe, look, for all we know, Stephanie is really in on it. They're working together. And maybe for a variety of reasons. It could be a variety mm -hmm. of reasons. But the point is, these people, and I'm just like you. I'm just like you. Yes. Yeah. She is pulling the strings because they are so stupid. Maybe Lance... I want to put Lance on the side. I want to go back to him. Let's let's go back to him. But at least Pamela Milton pretending to be a politician, thinking everything works, even though perhaps it doesn't. And maybe it is. Whatever. I feel like Max is in the perfect position to control everything because clearly Lance is making things happen because Maxine is, is Pamela Milton's voice. And it seems like everything that Pamela Milton has to say to Lance goes through Maxine unless she's in the room. So who's in the best position to run this place? Max. Max. Who really runs, runs the Commonwealth? Who really supports the system? But then you wonder, maybe she had to get this far into the system in order to take it down. And mm -hmm. that's a problem. That's a huge problem. Because it's, it's going to be the antithesis of what ultimately, probably, is going to end up happening. Wow. This is, this is going to be a big social commentary. But we all, I hate to say it. But we all think the only way to change the system is to tear it down. But that doesn't work because if you don't have the foundation of a new system ready, then your new system will fail. That, which is why like when you turn 40, you think, oh, maybe, maybe incrementalism does work. This is just me talking. I, I just, I'm waxing a little bit on, on philosophical. It might not even make the episode. But, and this is going to be the fundamental problem when it comes to the Commonwealth. Do we tear the whole system down immediately, all at once? Or do we try to just, do we turn, do we, do we tweak? The, and I feel like, I feel like Maxine is, is trying to tear it down from the very top. That's what I start thinking. She's going to eat the rich. The whole plot behind like the comic book uh, Commonwealth arc is like Rick trying to be like, no, Dwight, we can't tear everything down. We're, we all have different ideas. Let's bring them together. Let's find compromises. Let's change mm -hmm. the system, not destroy the system. So they could be going down a very similar road where people are going to see problems and some people are going to think we need to destroy this and some people are going to say we can work with this. And by the way, this is not to say that I think the story is going to go the way of the comic book either, necessarily. I, I think it might, but I think it's going to take a, an it interesting turn. It feels like it is. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it is. Feels like it, but, but you know, you never know. You never know. I feel like ultimately, ultimately, it might just end up there, but it might take a windy road to get there because of Lance. I want to talk about him next because I felt some interesting feelings when I came to him. I did actually kind of feel for him this episode. Wow, I'm seeing some really, some I'm seeing some nods, but it's interesting though, right? And we're we're so used to characters appearing like Lance, 
maybe like Sebastian. I mean, you can, at first, maybe you could draw comparisons between Lance and Sebastian in some way. Like, I mean, Lance used Sebastian because he knows that bitch doesn't have a filter. So he's like, okay, let me use this ultimately to my ends to fuck with Eugene, right? I need a win and Alexandria could be that win. It, it appears that's that, that that's what he was trying to do. He's like, okay, I'm going to get Eugene in trouble so I can get the location of Alexandria so I can get a win with Pamela. I feel like he's actually trying to work within the system, her system, the one she thinks works. And he's trying and he's trying and he's trying. And, and think of the irony. Her son doesn't give a shit. She's totally disappointed in him. Lance trying desperately to please her. Totally disappointed in him, even though he gets this huge win with the wine from Carol. And she's like, yeah, I bet you do want to pitch market, marketing guy. Like, get off my shirt, marketing guy. Have your feelings towards Lance changed at all? What are you feeling in this episode? Because what did you feel before? What did you feel now? Have, they th have things changed? What is your overall impression of him as, as of this episode? Well, my initial impression was like snake oil salesman. Just real like slimy, weaselly guy. And this episode did humanize him in a way because now suddenly I feel for him because he's trying to do his best, trying to like please Pamela. And he, he, it's like he's inept or incapable of doing it. Now, is that all for show? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is that, like, that slimy. Maybe, maybe he noticed that Carol was watching him and he kind of played up how upset he was or whatever. But I have kind of changed my opinion a little bit. I felt bad for him. We've all been there where we've had, like, an asshole boss who doesn't care what we do, no matter what. It's never good enough. I mean, I've had that. So I felt something towards him. Uh, let me throw this pitch. Based on this episode, now, if this tension keeps ratcheting, do you think he might go one way or the other? Meaning, do you think he might take a darker path if this pressure keeps continuing in light of what we see is a possible uprising on our hands? Where where do you think his character can go from here? I think he wants to lead the uprising. Oh. I think he'd like to be in charge. He thinks he's smarter and that he would be more capable and he would be better at this job than Pamela is. And she is just a bitch anyway. So why don't I just scoot her on out of here and I'll just take her job and do it better. I think he'd like to have it all. So wait, so you're saying, and, and I can see maybe a point of disagreement. Do you think ultimately that he wants Pamela's job? Because after this episode, I'm not 100% certain. I, I don't necessarily think he wants Pamela's job, but I think he wants to share some of that credit and have a bit of an appreciation. Within the context of what kind of opinion do you have of Lance Hornsby now as opposed to before? So with the whole like thing with Eugene and everything, I did think he is definitely just trying to kind of play things into his own hands, purely selfish standpoint. But now I'm kind of thinking like he did that for like a greater reason, but still from a selfish, I want people to know who I am kind of place. So for recognition, but within Pamela's system. Yeah, I think he's on board with Pamela's system. But I think he want, he, he's going to play it how he wants to play it. And he thinks that he knows better. But I don't think he has any interest in taking it down. Yeah, I think Lance has every intention of running this shit how he wants it run. I could see him absolutely advancing the resistance. So not within the he, system, like to break it. Well, I think he's going to he's going to pretend like he's still in the system while feeding information to the resistance, because in his mind, he thinks if I help them now, they'll let me lead them later. Do you think he's with them now? 
I don't want to use the term with with the resistance, but okay. I do think he's feeding them information and helping them move along. I, I don't, I'm not going to say he's with them. I think well, he will help them advance with the intention of being the leader when they eventually take over. And he's a big old dum-dum because that ain't going to happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what kind of information do you think that this resistance necessarily has? Because from what we've seen, it's more just a... Ah, we don't like you. We don't have anything that's going to help. No, not yet. But that's where Lance comes in. Yeah, but he hasn't he hasn't feeded them any information wow. as of current that we can tell. N- not that we know of yet. The one key information that he may have that other people generally may not have are these new survivors, this new batch of survivors that he helped bring in. So they could be on their side, maybe. So that he could be might. interesting information he might have information later down the road like he could just tell the resistance yeah. where she is right but of course he, he, he's not going to show all his hands no no of course not i think the resistance is definitely going to try and recruit some of our people down the line in the show i think they already have because that's what the comic but we'll get we'll get to that i, I love good. that you said that thank <laughs> you magna but i don't think that was necessarily like Lance's like intention of oh I'm gonna bring these people in they're gonna cut like they're gonna make allies with the resistance and it's all just gonna work I don't I, I don't think that he brought the Alexandrians in with that full intention I thought it was just like oh I bring new people in you know they can they can form some of the class systems and like that's just his job to bring people in yeah. Jasmine do you think he's still trying to impress Pamela yes I think so too I think he's over it I think he knows it's not possible okay no no that's good thank you for saying that because we need everybody's thoughts on this because while everybody's looking at Lance and Pamela, I'm I'm looking death stares at Max. I'm mm-hmm. looking death. Mm-hmm. I think I think where you guys are attributing to feeding, or somebody, some of you are attributing him feeding info to the resistance. I'm saying Max is playing all sides. And and you know what? The interesting thing is, I had two thoughts. One, you only had two. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me clarify. Sorry. Let me clarify. <laughs> I had many thoughts, <laughs> but only two that I can distill. Points to Jasmine. Yeah, point, definitely. Definitely points to Jasmine. Instead of a running stream of, of contiguous thoughts, I had, I, I had two distinct thoughts. One was, she's either doing this to, sh- to, to maintain her sense of order, meaning I'm running the show, but I don't want to look like I'm running the show. I've established a resistance. I, I put my, uh, my line into that pond, and then I help prop up uh, Pamela Milton so I can keep that that tear up. And then I give Lance shit so he can continue trying to please Pamela. And, you know, I give her, I give him just the right amount of, well, I, I know you can do it. Like that sort of thing, just to keep that guy busy. I mean, talk about keeping Carol busy, Carol needing something to keep busy. This is what Maxine could be doing. Now, whether it's for an altruistic reason, there's, there is some sort of psychology in the possibility that she's doing this to give people an enemy or to give people a system that's rigged. You know, maybe that's where she learned that society can be, a society in a zombie apocalypse can be held up because if we don't have walkers, what's our new enemy, right? What's our new adversary? What's our new pressure? So it could be altruistic in in a weird, in a kind of twisted, weird way. But it can also be the other thought, which is I'm getting all the benefit without the recognition, the irony of ironies, like Lance is trying to get the recognition maybe. But, and maybe just from Pamela Milton, who knows? It, it could be like, I have all the benefit. None of, nobody's looking at me. Uh, my life is pretty much set. I'm really in charge. 
you know, so what do I need? Okay, here, let's let's throw a resistance here. As long as I'm okay, whatever. Whatevs. Eugene, well, I brought I brought all his people in so that there'd be a new set of challenges here. Like, oh, who's gonna who's gonna get these new people on on whose side? Pamela's side? Is it gonna be Lance's side? Is it gonna be the resistance? I don't care. I just brought new people to for all these factions to play with while I run this show. Again, the subversion of expectations is so real. I totally thought what you thought, Rachel. I totally thought Maxine was Maxine in that moment. And that Stephanie was really Stephanie. I still think there is some sort of cahoots between the two. And that maybe this is just another person that Maxine is is manipulating for whatever something, cause that Stephanie's yeah. in, right? Yeah. Something has to be going on because, because okay, let's pretend for a moment that Max is Max and Stephanie is Stephanie. Stephanie came and met Eugene in the it's train easier. car. She's got to know, she's got to know something. Like they had to have told her something about Eugene because if Max is Max and she was the one talking to Eugene, which I think we're all pretty much in agreement on. Yes. Eugene was talking to Max, period. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing Margo we, we know for sure. <laughs> we know for sure that Eugene was talking to Margot Bingham, whether her name is Max or Stephanie can I, can I almost just doesn't matter. This, this is really, really, really sad for Eugene. Yeah. Yes, it's shaping yeah, up that, that way. Because, like, even like we watched them conversations and they felt so genuine at the time. Taterbug mm -hmm. and uh, right. And what was the other nickname? Blue Evil. Blue Evil. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I almost didn't have it there. Uh, <laughs> I got you. I got you. Right. It, it is sad because, like, we we yeah. are expecting them to get together, and this is how smart Angela Kang is. Even if you're not into ships, you're into this ship. Do you know what I mean? Like that that's so smart. Cause then you're like, oh, I'll get them salivating over Stephanie and Eugene, possibly. Oh, that's definitely Stephanie. That's definitely Stephanie. Oh, they're gonna eventually fall. Well, oh, she's even talking like Eugene in the office to Yumiko when she sits down. I was like, oh, short, abrupt statements. So you get yeah. what I'm saying. She speaks kind of like Eugene in in her own way. They're baiting the hook so hard here. And then it could be a Dante situation all over again, where it's like, oh, we expected something here to happen. Yeah. Like, even if you're not a comic book reader, you're like, oh, this is it. This is happening. We've waited two, two, nine, 10, 11, two seasons plus another year for this thing to happen since she was calling on the radio the first time at the end of season nine. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we're looking that way. But I'm not I'm not looking away, Angela Kang. You're not taking my job away from me. Thank um, you. Where do, where, do, where do we think that Stephanie, not Stephanie, is? I mean... Stephanie potentially is Stephanie, potentially not Stephanie. Stephanie, right. brown hair Stephanie. Don't do that. <laughs> Shell, Shell My Ramos. nose will start bleeding. Where do we think it's... Shell Ramos is? Right, right. Michelle Ramos. <laughs> Who we're going to yeah. call Stephanie Vega, right? Because it's easier because I'm like, oh, Stephanie, Stephanie that looks Vega. like... Yeah. As, we're, we're... as of right now, they want us to believe she's Stephanie Vega. So we can yeah. accept that for the time being. We do see that there is a hint that she is missing. Mm -hmm. But why Why do we think she's missing? Where do we think she is? And for what purpose, right? I, I can't mm -hmm. say that. There's just too little information. Because kind of like Aiden said in the chat, I'm sorry I've been not looking at as much. You know, why haven't we seen Eugene in this episode? He, he managed to bring these Alexandrians back. What happened? I, I kind of just assumed that he was vibing in Alexandria, to be honest. You know, getting them ready for the transition period. You think? Mm. I thought maybe it was a show of how big the Commonwealth is. We can go through all these scenes and not see Eugene, even though he's there somewhere. I, I happen to agree. And I, I can't see a world in, where, in which Gracie and Aaron aren't here. And if they're not here, there's a significant... Maybe maybe, maybe they heard Sharon D. Said, no, I need to toughen my, my kid up at Hilltop with Maggie and her bloodthirsty maniacs. Well, they're not at Hilltop at the moment. 
Yeah, we don't. We just, we just don't know. It's been thirty days. So Aiden confirmed that Gracie and Aaron are at Alexandria. Oh, what really? How? Uh, uh, I don't know. Promos? He just said it's confirmed. Yeah, I think it was trailers footage. Promos, mm-hmm. yeah. Someone has to stay back with Maggie. He may feel loyal to Alexandria since he's the only original. So do you think they take soldiers based on volunteers? Like if someone wanted to be a soldier, they would let them no matter what? There was a billboard so. saying as much. I mean, I think I think they would they would they would let anyone onto the training scheme, but I don't think they would pass anyone that no one that starts their training is guaranteed to be passed off as a soldier one day. I agree. So why why do you guys think Magna chose not to be a fighter? Well, she kind of makes it a little bit clear when she speaks to Rosita. She's I can't remember what the exact line is, uh, but she says, "And yet you are doing this." I just can't right. remember the right. exact well, line. Well, that was the she was comparing it to like a city from before. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and she was yeah. like, Rosita's she said to Rosita, to defend yeah, it. Yeah, you're doing this. Almost like she doesn't agree with this system. And why am I going to defend a system I don't agree with? Which right. then but makes me ask why she's there at all. Why didn't she that's stay my question. at Alexandria? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly oh, what I was wondering. That's a yeah. great question. And I think we all maybe sort of know the answer. You I mean, go. maybe. Yeah, thank you. There we go. Good, good. <laughs> which goes. We can just sum that up. <laughs> which, which goes to a point I was trying to make with Elijah, in a sense. If you know the system is fucked up and you know you know that you can't advance and you know you, you, you Magna, can never reach Yumiko, right? What, do you, what, do you, what are you doing? What, do you, what are you even doing? But the heart wants what the heart wants. I almost wonder what would happen if Yumiko and Magna did spark up their relationship again. Like Yumiko being a part of the elite and Magna not being. How would the Commonwealth look at that relationship? Like would Magna elevate herself or would they demote Yumiko in that situation? Like what would happen if I, they did decide to try again? I think they're they're individuals. So I think Yumiko already lives in such luxury that Magna would be invited to live in said luxury with her. And then mm-hmm. we can also like look back at the fact that like, you know, Princess and Mercer, Mercer said, She's come up with me. I think Yumiko could yeah. pull the same kind of shit and be like, "Yeah, she's with me." I, I think I think Mercer is a Mercer though. He, yeah, he I think transcends... I think yeah, but that was that was literally like in the moment. I don't think she could rock up with Yumiko to the event and be like, "Yo, she's coming in with me." But I think she'd be able to get. <laughs> I mean, the other way around. But I think she would be able to get her on the guest list as with like, her, like as no, with her as her like plus something. one. I feel like they all have. Okay. They're all allowed to have like plus ones, maybe. You know, I, I, I but they are generally, of they are generally of people of a higher status because people of a higher status generally tend to stick with people of a higher status. So but I, in the I unique think, situation that they don't, I think, you know, you can bring it. You can bring it to in. I honestly think that's not the case. I honestly I, I, think elites with elites. I think who the hell is going to tell Mercer no? Yeah, 100%. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said he transcends that system. Kind of like why I yeah. said the military is over here. Not to mention, Yumiko is still considered a new person, so it, she doesn't really have a lot of weight to throw around just yeah. yet. Yeah, I mean, down mm. the line, though. Maybe in a f- year or two, Aiden yeah. brings up a good point, though. Uh, Yumiko doesn't even talk to any of our group in this episode. She blankly stares at Magna, doesn't interact with Connie, Kelly, Daryl, Rosita, who are all there. Mm-hmm. And she does mm. talk to Princess, though. I, but this may illustrate the invisible wall that is between the classes. And, and Princess is only there because of Mercer. That, that, yeah. that, otherwise... But I, I will note, I agree. I agree that there is a tension or a weirdness between them, her, between, sorry, Yumiko and Magna. There is. I want to throw a, a grenade into this conversation, though, because what if, you bring up a very good question, what if somebody from a lower class wants to be with somebody from an upper class as much as they try to prevent this from happening in, in many ways? I think 
we may see this. I, I feel like Yumiko and Magna will try to reconcile, but I think the system won't let them. What if those types of relationships slash marriages, marriages, let's just stick with marriage, can't happen without the blessing and, and coordination of, of those in charge or, or that special department that runs that department? What if that can't happen without approval? And what if that's the very thing that makes, and then we'll transition to this, Magna take on the Dwight role? Mm. But it's not, it's not like they're going to want to get married. No one's going to stop Yumiko allowing Magna into her apartment. No one's going to stop them spending time together. Maybe they'll stop them going to the high class events Wait, together. Why do you say that? If they literally, <laughs> literally dragged Tomi out of his own sh shop or no, in the train station because mm -hmm. he was in a lower class job and he was supposed to be in the upper ranks. It was a very yeah, important they, scene. They, they, dragged, they dragged him out and they went, yeah, you, you got to be a doctor now. But right. they're not, other, other than saying, you got to go to work when we tell you, you got to go to work, they're not necessarily controlling his life. He's clearly miserable and he can't leave. Oh yeah, for sure, because of his job, because a job is a big part of your life. But Magna. beyond his job, I think when he's at home, they're not going to, there's no one like staring at him, like going, can't let anyone in. <laughs> well, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> wonder because it, it, this brings up a very big question of how those relationships work. Are they allowed to happen even? No, because I, I this is, this comes to I, a bigger bigger point of like the system could be fragile if they do let that happen wouldn't it be how are they going to stop two people having a relationship? well we also we also have to ask ourselves question. where where all these elite people are living like if i picture them all living in like a high-rise apartment building that it could be something as simple as a doorman not letting the lower class in or like walls or gates right mm -hmm. there could be gated sections where uh, guarded by yeah. guys that probably look like daryl now yeah. We haven't seen where the elite live. Like, right. are they in homes, uh, like a, in Alexandria? Are they in an apartment complex? We don't know where they live. And, and aside but from physically, oh, and maybe there's like a guest list there too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, maybe like a, an approved guest list who's allowed into the elite apartments or whatever. I only say that because didn't Michonne live in an apartment in the books? I, yeah. I could have yeah. swore yeah, they gave her did. an apartment. She, she lived mm -hmm. in a very nice apartment. But it wasn't, yeah. we weren't under the impression that it was segregated. And obviously Eloise, no. was, uh, Eloise was allowed to enter her apartment and be like, oh, this is so cool. Elodie. Elodie, yeah. right. Well, and that's where Carol's <laughs> working. Right. Elodie's bakery. Right. Michonne's daughter's bake shop. In the Not books. Not literally, but yes. it's a reference to. Right. Yes. It's a nod to the books. Yeah. No, but I wanted to bring up something Aiden did say when I said Magna will take on the Dwight role, may take on the Dwight role. She said, I think it will be Gabriel. We've seen him confront and murder a handful of people now. Dante, Mays. Nichols, Mancia, when he goes to do the same to Pamela, someone, someone finally stops him, meaning puts him down. For good. Uh, yeah. I yeah. wonder who that will be. Like, I, I have a few ideas of who may take on the Dwight role that makes sense. Gabriel's one of them, Magna, possibly, you know. But the bigger question is, who's the Rick in this situation? Daryl. You think so? He would have to have a loyalty to Pamela the way Rick did, though. At that moment in the books, Rick believed what Pamela was doing. That's right. why he did what he did. I can't see any of our characters being 100% on board. Me either. With um, Pamela. But Me at either. the same time, I think we've seen Daryl say to the, you know, with the Reaper situation, you know, let's just stop killing each other. And I think he's going to be like the same thing. He's like, he's going to be like, yo, Dwight, not Dwight whoever the Dwight's going to be. The system <laughs> is broke, but we're not tearing it down. We're fixing it. And that's that's, that's yeah. the whole premise of Rick's decision. He didn't choose Pamela over Dwight. He chose fixing the system, over tearing the, it down. And path. I think Daryl yeah. is going to have the same... I think Daryl is going to go down the same road. 
I like that. I like that breakdown. That makes a lot of sense, Jasmine. I like that. It totally yeah. makes a lot of sense. I I, yeah. I have a feeling there's going to be a misdirect there as well. Because, I mean, Aaron makes sense to me on paper because of what they've been through. Because it would be heartbreaking. I mean, you have this tension, this weird weirdness between Aaron and Gabe, even though they we know they're friends, even though they do have this interesting moment at the end of the last episode. But I feel like if you take a, if you take a short left turn down this alleyway, what if in light of Eugene and Gabriel's relationship in season eight, that... Eugene coming from a particular journey, it seems like he's going to be going through throughout this season and then coming back to that kind of relationship that they used to have or still have, but we haven't really seen it accented this season plus the 10C episodes. What if, what if it was Eugene? Eugene being in the middle of all this and seeing everybody's point of view and then making a decision, you know, Mm -hmm. and that would be heartbreaking too. And you wouldn't see it coming too, because that Eugene, the Eugene that we know isn't even like the Eugene in the comic books. And he's maybe in the perfect position to kind of see all sides of the equation and then making a decision. And then I it being him. I also have an alternative theory as to who Dwight's going to be. I, think I still think be, it's Magna. <laughs> I think it's going to be Rosita. Oh. I, think she's, I think she's in a unique position. Where and funny how they're paired up. <laughs> Gabe yeah, I and think Rosita. She, yeah, I think, I think she's going to be in a unique position, but she's going to be like seeing all this like resistance stuff. And I think she's going to join the resistance, obviously. Uh-oh. Aiden's mad. <laughs> oh, because um, he loves Rosita. He loves, yeah. he loves Rosita. I mean, and I don't Magnus. want to see. I don't want. To, I would just like to make Rosita. I don't want to see Rosita die. But I think Rosita is going to be like the unexpected person that actually goes, "Oh fuck, we need to we need to go in the resistance." And then Daryl's going to be like, "Kill Rosita," or or Gabe too, because because there's a little signals here, like okay, Gabe is taking Coco. Gabe is running Bible classes. He's trying to put those things behind him too. So and and you know take more of a fatherly role where he wasn't uh, in Alexandria where we saw him last. You know what I mean? Like oh that was Eugene <laughs> measuring Coco and all that junk. I actually have to go now, Jasmine. Yeah, love okay, you. Bye, bye, bye Jazzy. Bye, Bridget. Don't forget to say goodbye at the end. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> say goodbye, Jasmine. All right, bye guys. Later. Fun times. Mercer's little butt plate like killed me. Yes. <laughs> that was in my reaction video. Just, that little orange butt. It just killed me. Going up, down, yeah. left, yeah. right, right, left. Gotta protect the ass set. But the, the the way it was moving was like, yeah, get it. What? Also it looked funny. <laughs> Let's just be honest. It looked funny. Like, oh, I didn't know that could be a thing on someone's body. <laughs> yes, it is. Don't you need like ass? Isn't your ass the cushion of your body? Why would you put plasticky stuff on it? It's not, to, that, look, it's feel. not to look cool, that's for sure. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does make you think, right? It's for it's protecting you from those chompas, for somebody trying to eat your ass. I wanted to bring up two specific points that may illustrate some form of foreshadowing because we're always reading too far into things. When Sebastian, in the advanced military training, breaks out everybody else's weapons, He's going through the list of Daryl, uh, Judith's weapon, the, the the mace I even made fun of that Daryl's swinging at Hilltop. Woohoo! And what does he end up choosing? The Warhammer. Who wields the Warhammer? Magna. Magna. Yep. That's something. That's that's kind of why my mind shifted to Magna as being the one, as the polar opposite to Sebastian. She don't give a fuck either. So I was kind of... Noticing that it's a badass weapon too. Hey, even Sebastian can't deny it. And that's why it's also in the in the in the opener next to which is also kind of weird. Magna's weapon and the Negan's bat. Oh, sorry, Lucille 
is kind of lying next to each other. Anyway, so there's that. My first thought was, I'm so happy Judah, someone went down in that damn basement and got Judah's sword back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why are you touching Judah's weapon? Why? Yeah. Why? Well, this this toothpick. And then he and then he just throws it away. <laughs> he doesn't even like sheath it again. He does. He just throws both pieces. Yeah, I love that. It does illustrate like he's not even trying. He's not yeah. even trying to be like his mom. Not even pretending. It's good to know. I thought that there was some significance to it because they they zoomed in. They like and held. They wanted you to know this mm-hmm. is Magnus. This is a big deal. But I I was like I don't. I'm like, I know what this is, but like, why, why are we focusing on this so much? (laughs) And then I I was like, am I dumb? Like, is there something about this I don't get right now? But, and so yes, probably, probably in a couple episodes, I'll be like, yeah, I was really dumb. I should have gotten that back then. And Aiden says, I wonder if anyone went back for Pope's beanie. Mm. (laughs) I want it. I want Richie Costa. Anyway, whatever. I've got it in, I've got it in my bedroom. It's okay. You do. Yeah. It doubles as Daniel's hat. (laughs) Daniel Salazar's. From Fear of the Walking Dead. There's another bit of foreshadowing that is not obvious at all. When Carol pulls up the invoice she picks up from that wine shop that's closed down, clearly, uh, there are three different bottles of wine that are on there. It's very, very interesting when you do the translation. The shop is called Vincenti's. Vicenti uh, equals conquering in Latin. So we're conquering something. The bottle she ultimately chooses of the list is Chateau de Devoumont, which means house of devotion. Okay. The other wine she chooses is Urovipra, which I think translates to, and I'm not 100% sure, certain, is Gold Viper, okay, which means, you know, Gold Snake. Cobra Strike. And then there is, yeah, <laughs> that's very interesting. And I thought this was actually a joke, because when, what is the definition of canard? Canard is, is like a hoax, like it's a, a false bit of information, right? When you feed somebody false information, it's called a canard, French. So it's the, the last wine, and it's probably like their version of a cheap wine, is a canal de pluie, so that means rain duck. But then that got me thinking. Okay, that got me thinking a little bit because maybe canard is a canard. Because we do see Pamela holding, because she's clearly hunting when she sees Sebastian in disappointment for not killing whatever. Just generally, he's a disappointment. And I was like, oh, Sebastian is just doing his version of hunting, like, you know, like rich people do. But she's holding ducks that she's shot also. Then I went back to that invoice and I saw, oh, canard de pluie. So like rain duck. Okay. So it's a false flag. We think maybe Pamela is the bad guy, but maybe she's just a rain duck. <laughs> she's, maybe she's just nothing. And water off a duff, duck's back also is kind of like, okay, it's just Teflon Don, politician. There's nothing malicious about it. She just is what she is. She walks like a duck, talks like a politician, and, and uh, poops like a politician. But then you have to go back to the other wines. House of Devotion. And then Gold Viper. And that instantly makes th- makes me think of who are the three people at the top? Max, Pamela, and Lance, technically speaking. Or we can maybe sub out Max or Lance for Mercer. Okay, Because Mercer, we could say, is, oh, House of Devotion. Mercer is devoted to what this place is, let's say. But I, I, let's put that aside. House of Devotion. Who is devoted to this place more? Who is the Gold Viper? And who is the House of Devotion? As of this episode... I'm almost thinking that the gold viper is Max and the house of devotion is Lance Hornsby trying in earnest to be devoted to this place. Even if he has to make interesting deals to to get it done or make certain plays to get Alexandria by manipulating Eugene, he is doing it for the cause, for the house. He's being devoted to the house. Could be. I'm just playing with allegories on a simple, stupid receipt. 
I think that nothing in this show is by accident. I think everything you're saying probably has meaning. I don't know who could represent each of those things, though. I mean, when you say House of Devotion, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but the first person I think of is Gabriel, House of Devotion. Oh, okay, okay. Especially considering he's kind of struggling with his faith right now, but I don't, I don't <laughs> or not see anymore, how who knows? he would connect to, to that at all. But Remember, this is the wine that she ends up choosing to give Lance Hornsby. Too, which also says another thing, like reflexively says another thing. Oh, God. Oh, man, we didn't see this coming. What if Carol is the one to end Magna or whoever that might be? Mm. And maybe, maybe Gabriel, right? Because devotion, house of devotion. There's like a little playful thing going on here. Yeah. Maybe what she. If Carol's the wreck. Because she has, she's devoted to this place. And maybe as long as it keeps Ezekiel alive. Maybe even just because ideologically, this is a world she can live in. She knows, yeah. she knows instantly what she needs to do to get upward mobility way more than all the poors and all the other people trying to get by, even our people. Maybe. So the one you wouldn't see coming, right? Carol being the one to shoot one of her own yeah. people. I also Googled the address on the invoice. Go for it. Which, by the way, which, by the way, does not exist. But I got two hits that were close and, and, I, and I'm leaning towards the Dover Township in Ohio only because... Dover Township in Ohio is maybe 30 to 40 miles away from Toledo. Right. Which brings me to this clip that I forgot to play Sharon D's clips. One was for the haunted house, but one was for this. And I'm going to play it now. The Commonwealth is in Ohio. We know that Deanna was from Ohio. We Deanna Monroe. Don't know exactly what Pamela Milton did, but we get hints that she was in the government, or at least her family was. But that's not a stretch to think that she herself was in the government. Well, in the World Beyond stinger scene, Primrose went to Toledo, Ohio. So I'm wondering if this science scientific group was there and Pamela Milton is one of the government officials that was in on this project, whatever it was. And she was meeting with them and they were all in Toledo when the world fell. And that is where the Commonwealth is now. I think that's a really interesting concept, I guess. In my mind, I kind of assumed Pamela was not naturally like a politician because it was her father that was a politician. I mean, obviously, she's taken on that role, but I wasn't sure if that was her role, like pre the fall. Or nepotism, like we said. Yeah. And that's a, well, that's, or I said. And that's what they're basing their whole yeah. society on. But um, I think that's a really, really cool point to think that maybe that was why. Because I've been thinking about that end scene from World Beyond. And I'm like, you know, is this all going to be movie stuff and if and when we would get that? Or, you know, are, are we going to explore this in a different show? Or what are they going to do to connect this? So so maybe we're going to see a, a little bit of a connection sooner rather than later. Yeah, like in maybe in the third trimester, huh? I don't know. We don't know specifically what Pamela did before the fall, but I think it's safe to assume she she did something in the public eye because Carol makes the comment about, Oh, I always thought she was so classy. She was somehow a public figure in some capacity. Sharon and I have talked about the, the Toledo thing, which is why I, I you know, the Dover, uh, Dover Township near Toledo is what I, you know, I was thinking. Chef's kiss. That's, yeah, that's where uh, Carol went to find this wine. I love that you did that because it made me remember <laughs> to pick up her take and so that, so that she can talk about it herself. So I feel like Pamela is agnostic of this take in a sense like let's throw out pa for me let's throw out pamela from the equation what if the commonwealth was the walking dead's equivalent of padre let's say 
And the Commonwealth is just like the frosting on this cake that is Primrose actual, right? To be fair, we don't even know what Padre is yet. Right, 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 right. But the promise <laughs> of a safe haven, let's say, right? Okay. And okay. here we are, right? But underneath all of this, these games that people are playing, okay, the games that Maxine is playing with all these people's lives, or everybody's playing with each other, factions, uh, the, the resist the Commonwealth, all this stupid shit to keep people occupied, underneath all of that, is like this shadow purpose, right? Like, let's have a safe place, but underneath that place, we're trying to save the world. Primrose, or I don't know what they're trying, let's say, I don't know what they're trying to do. They're scientists. We don't know what Primrose is at all anyway. We have to break that down in the live stream. But this is a good layer cake, right? Because what if underneath all of this is Primrose? This, this, this weird film of social nonsense that we all know is nonsense in the Walking Dead world, wa Walking Dead universe. Like these games are stupid to play in a zombie apocalypse. But underneath that is something very serious. That could be really cool. And maybe Pamela Milton is, again, ignorant of not only her own community, but of this Primrose stuff. First of all, I, from what you said, I, I took that, took what Sharon said. I'm like, that could be very, very compelling. Because it takes what I know of from the comic books and puts like a third dimension to that already two-dimensional object, right? It's like, it's like, yeah, but what's, what comes after the, what comes after the Commonwealth after... Rick dies. Let's, Rick dies. Let's, whatever. We all know this. Well, what 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 else is there? This shit down here, underneath all this all this this fluff, right? Because it, ostensibly it's fluff. It's like bullshit politics, which is why I feel like there's gonna be so many people that may be disappointed by what they're about to see in this second trimester. But when they get to that third trimester, when they go into the third axis or the third dimension depth, right? Instead of the length and width. They go down in the de depths. They actually see something that they didn't see before. And they said, oh, this puts a whole other shine to the bullshit of the Commonwealth. I mean, even though I like the whole social dilemma, right, of, of the Commonwealth, I'm different. You know, I'm not going to be like some people who are just comic purists who, who've always existed and hate watch the show too and pick on every little fucking thing. And I'm thinking of somebody in particular, but I'm not going to say their name. But, but we all, we've all encountered them. Like, they just hate everything, and yet they still watch because they like. Oh, I like this part. I like that part. Everything else is not worthy of my affection, <laughs> unless it has Kirkman signed at the bottom right-hand corner of the shot. I don't give a shit. Angela King was asked this on Talking Dead last week. She couldn't answer, like the importance of the Commonwealth and the Stinger from World Beyond having some sort of connection. She just says, "I'm not going to answer." <laughs> so that's that's the way it's going to be. I'm fine not knowing right now. I'm I'm enjoying the ride. I'm okay with kind of leaving it open ended. That's why I'm like trying so hard not not to see the photos, you know, behind the scenes stuff right now because this is the last I get of this. This is the last I get of this tension that I get where I'm like so excited each week for the new episode to drop. I don't want to wreck that. Like I just want to enjoy this because the show is going to be done and I'm not going to get to do this anymore. So yeah, let's articulate what you're talking about because. We've all been seeing, and again, I, I'm going to give you a little hope, but we've all been seeing photos of people in Sonoy going, trying to predict the end because of certain people that are still around and blah, blah, blah. It's infuriating because I feel like these people don't appreciate the show the way we do. I don't really want to know who survives and who doesn't. I want to have that in, in, in my pocket. I want, to, I want to not know. I want to be like, okay, when I finally pull out my wallet, I'll find a magic $100 bill. Like, well, <laughs> coming out of nowhere. I want... I want to be surprised. 
It's instant gratification versus delayed gratification. But instant gratification for the sharer. In today's culture, though, like looking up spoilers is like a thing that people enjoy doing. I don't understand it. It's not for me. I want to go see a movie and not know the ending because that to me is boring. I want to see it and be surprised in the moment because that's I want delayed gratification. That's what I would prefer. So it's that balance of like, yeah, that's fine. Do you. That's your own thing. But like, I just don't want to see it. And it's it's kind of everyone right now is getting really amped like about who's still in Georgia. And and so they're just really excited to share that. And that's cool that they're excited. But I, I just don't want to know right now. Right. And it's being shared by everybody. That's why this podcast will never do that. We won't pro- post production photos of an episode that hasn't already aired. We won't show photos on set that may spoil what lies ahead because of that, because of the respect, because that's, I mean, look, I would never do anything that I wouldn't want for myself anyway. So why would I put that on others? Why would I first of all put myself in a situation where me as a viewer gets spoiled, which is why we only release these episodes after they've publicly aired anyway. I can't tell you how many people I know in the space that will release their takes based on the AMC plus early viewing just to get it out and just to have it out publicly. Like, okay, we'll make the unedited episode available to our backers if they want to see it when they've already seen it. You know, so there's, there's always, there's already a, like a membrane. You're like, you have a choice here and not even the edited choice. It's like the <laughs> that we have for three or four hours, however long we're here now. But then to see people public and first of all, how do you even maintain an audience? Because there's a significant portion of your audience that can't even watch that. And then by the time they do, they're not going to go back and watch a dumb video. <laughs> so... I mean, come on, really. I I think a lot of that is born out of wanting to be, this obsession about wanting to be right about something. Obviously first. Everybody loves being first. But also being right. Nobody likes being wrong. So when they're right about something, when they found something out, they they succeeded at something. But then what do you get? Like, what is the thing that you get? It's like a video game. What is the prize? (laughs) An audience? And then what do you tell? It's knowing that you're not it, yeah. And sharing that you know, right? That I, I got something right in life. Yeah, what, what now? What's your message after that? Nothing? I, I've got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. And then the shares of shares, they build themselves off of that first person. Like, well, well what did you get out of that? I get to keep my audience. Yeah, then what? Got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like, like you said, instant gratification. But then there's no thought to the consequence or no thought to what happens after. Like, right, what, what, now that you have the audience that you have, because obviously people are following you now. Yeah, what's your message now? What well, what do you do? Nothing. <laughs> I get or or the 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 horrible part of it is that you do everything in your power to keep that status up, and then it becomes a thing. Like I have to keep getting that set photo, or I have to keep getting the dirt now. Now you're in the in, in the churn, and fuck me if there isn't like a sort of parallel to that behavior to the Commonwealth as a as a concept. That's the system. It's a weird thing where you have to maintain this version of yourself in order to exist in the system. And there is truth to I know, it. I know what you're saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? I know what you're saying. But we do this to ourselves. We don't have to live in that system. Strange, huh? It makes you think. Like, we we don't have to be in the system. We don't have to do this. You don't have to do what you're doing right now. You're ruining a lot of people's experience right now. Look, I, I fed off your frustration. This is what you asked for, Bridget. No! This is, this is what you get. <laughs> this is what you get. This is what you get. This what you get. I didn't mean it. <laughs> What you get? You just let the dog out. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So that date on the invoice was 9 11, 2010. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Really? Yep. Yep. That's nuts. <laughs> just to give you guys context besides the whole 9 11 thing, 
which we did talk about at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> strangely enough, uh, but 2010. It goes back to like Project Votus as well, which is like 2001. The Munich Massacre info that was in Padre. It's all these little events that happened before that may have relevance to what hap- what, what's happening now, which goes to like basically what maybe the, the Walking Dead universe is trying to build. Oh, this is... This is a machine that has been has been set in motion way before 2010, but 9-11-2010. So could it be that, well, we're not going to say 9-11-2010 is, is when the fall happened, but it's interesting. <laughs> that they were still printing invoices in 2010. Yeah. Now, now, that is not even to say that the fall didn't happen before then, and maybe people still just wanted wine and they were trying to keep up with some sort of normalcy in their life. I love it, which is an allegory for the Commonwealth in a way, right? Mm -hmm, To mm -hmm. keep up some semblance of normal. Or something that we said in Here's Negan, which is the fall happened gradually over time. Yes. Maybe it it didn't reach this area until then. It's not like, yeah, it's not like the zombie movies where it just happens 28 days later. Everywhere, all all at once. Because The Walking Dead aired uh, 1031, 2010, 2010. right? Trying to see if I can add up the days. Well, 28 days later, that was a movie. And then if you add 33 days, which is when Daryl finally puts on his uniform, okay, it equals the day The Walking Dead aired. Thank you. And if you like what you heard, let's end the show. 28 days before the 31st would put us still in October. So good, good, good try. You tried. You tried. I really didn't, though. I I thought it was interesting that we really just sort of like passed over it, but it seemed like Gabriel and Rosita are not living together. We don't know that for sure, but it feels like it may it be the case. It seems like it. Yeah. Because of the plans they're making about him keeping Coco overnight, her coming by to pick her up is what she, that was her words. Right. Come by right. to pick her up. That is what made me think, oh, they're not living together. Why would she have to pick her up from Gabriel if they weren't living together? And then Bible study and what's up with that. I was thinking the excuse could be, oh, he lives at the church or something. But it could go to something that we said before, like sanctioning certain relationships or sanctioning certain marriages or whatnot. Yeah, right. Exactly. So is, right, it that's... might not be divorce, quote unquote, but because I think Gabriel Maybe... would want a, a proper marriage being a man of God. Right. So, well, it could be, it could be his choice. It could be the Commonwealth saying you're not legally married. We don't allow that kind of relationship until there's something official between people. Who knows? Or like we when you're know. not legally, your, your marriage isn't sanctioned in this state. You have to kind of transfer your marriage license. <laughs> Because yeah, you know but, how some states I mean, don't recognize not, the marriages of other states? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we've never heard Rosita or Gabriel or anyone, for that matter, refer to either one of them as a husband or wife. That's also or My true. wife, my husband, you know. Isn't that kind of odd? Right. For, for Gabriel. Right. But, but like you said, it could be Gabe's choice. We don't know. Like, it could, or it could be maybe Rosita it's his saying, choice. It could be Rosita saying, like, hey, you know, I that love too. you, but, you know, this whole marriage thing, not for me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. You should want to be with me. That sort of thing. And he's like, Yeah, bitch, okay, no problem. Cool. But I just thought it was weird. And I and I I made I just made a note to to remember that. Yeah. Just remember yeah. that Gabe and Rosita are not living together. I don't know why yet, but Or I why it is that Coco to needs to be picked up from his place or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. There's mm-hmm. weird phrasing. Something's here. going on there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Why did Judith ask for the receipt? Because it was not to remember a good day. I, I don't know either. The thing that I thought of immediately when she said that was her having that conversation with Negan when we kind of when we first see her in season nine. Like they're talking about airplanes and math and, and all that stuff, you know, because we're talking about a math problem. It's like you've never even seen an airplane. And so I thought to myself, 
she must be trying to document what it's like on the other side of this apocalypse. That was my first thought, <laughs> obviously. Does he have that conversation with Judith? I thought that was with that kid at the bus. Uh, I think, uh, no, he, Judith was doing a math problem with Negan. Like a, a plane is traveling from this place at something miles an hour and the train from this city is come, traveling and, he, and Negan kind of makes fun yeah. of her. He's like, you don't need all that. You, you've never even seen yeah. an airplane. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. He has that plane conversation with that kid at the bus too about because the kid has a little toy plane and he's like, I bet you never even seen one of these. Can you? And then he has oh, him like close yeah. his eyes and he like tells him to picture it in the sky, like how what it's like to take off. Oh, the, 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 uh, uh, was it Amelia? And when he's got that weirdo uh, kid. And that little kid, around. the bus. The kid, the, 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 the mom and son that mm -hmm. Brandon killed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. I, knew, yes. I, knew that's yeah. What, I knew that's what you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. We should have articulated for the audience. What, what <laughs> yes. Just know what I'm thinking. It's, it's damn not it. just us. <laughs> no, that, that's, well, that's an interesting point that we didn't even bring up at the time that, that, they, that, he talked about airplanes with Judith and this kid and nut tapping, incidentally, but not with Judith. <laughs> not Gross. Uh, but maybe. Does anybody have any further thoughts on that, though, on the receipt? Like, why she keeps the receipt? Knowing how suspicious Daryl can be of people just based on everything that he's gone through in his life before the fall and, you know, what we've followed him in. Is she holding on to it thinking, I can't owe this girl anything? So she wants to know mm. the actual value. I, as you were saying that, I was starting to think the same thing. Or like, she's so smart that it, it, this is why I thought that this kid is coming from from wealth. Like this kid is in that class because what if she gets caught with this record, right? By a trooper, let's say, or, or an officer, whatever they're going to be called. And they say, where did you get that from? She'll have a receipt to back up the uh, the purchase, let's say, mm, right? That's a good she point. may be thinking like 10 steps ahead of like, I don't, I don't even want to be thought of as a, a thief. Maybe she has a lay of the land more than anybody else does as it pertains to maybe Judith is the one to, <laughs> to kill Magna slash Magna slash Gabriel. She, I'd never expect that <laughs> slash from her. Rosita. And how interesting it would be that it would Judith shooting the person that's supposed to be Rick. <laughs> I would never see that coming. The only other thing I could think yeah. was, did she want to return the record later to have money because she doesn't have any money? Ooh, that was like those, that's a good. So those were all that's the a good things thought. that floated through my head during that. That makes so much like, more hey, sense. Pr hey, princess, what's your return policy? <laughs> well, doesn't that bring a bigger point then? Okay, so let's say that is the case, right? Because it says a lot. That says so many more volumes than stupid Judith shoots Gabriel slash Magna Dwight character. Because ultimately, what does she decide to do? For now, keep it right. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That means I accept what this place is i'm willing to give this a shot rather than you know and in the future return it get money because we're shitty poor kind of like zeke i'm finding ways to smile every day that kind of thing so she may, she's making go of it you see her kind of yeah. scared she's scared of may when she first meet first meets her she's scared of this i was scared head. of her <laughs> she came well that's because you I don't trust may <laughs> we, i don't trust may because you know me even more than judith of what <laughs> this world is like that's right because I'm watching the show. Yeah. I've seen <laughs> Sam Anderson's head get bit like an apple. I've seen Ugh. people turn on other people. I see guys thinking yeah. that they're nice and then like they turn out to be complete dicks. Philip slash the governor. Gareth. Gareth, right. Exactly. <laughs> see people eat people. It's it's insane out there. People with red machetes <laughs> chopping oh. down people. Oh, that's Rick. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> it made me whoops. think of um, Negan. Killing people in their sleep. Oh, wait, sees, that's us too. When he sees Gabriel and he's like, 
what, what does he say? Like, holy shit, you are creepy. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought of when May just like pops up out of nowhere and is like, hey, you're from the outside world. And I was like, who the hell is this? She like came out of nowhere. It was so mm-hmm. creepy. You know what my immediate thought was? Like people that have been in there a while that want to razz like the newbies, like freshmen kind of thing. Like I, I mm. saw like a possibility of, of that's that's what I immediately thought. And of course, I'm not talking about it. But now that you brought it up, I was like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking Walking Dead sleeper enemy kind of thing. I was just thinking like, how is this girl well, going to give Judith trouble now? It's funny that you say that because that could, well, I mean, it, it didn't happen, but but where your brain is going, there was a scene in the comic books where that happened to Carl at Alexandria. Carl got beat up by a bunch of a-hole kids, they were kind of making fun of him for going out, like, being Carl. Well, actually, I think they were making fun of his eye. But Mm. still, maybe that's just another layer of why I don't trust May. Yeah, a classic a classic Angela Kang homage misdirect. Because she did that in The Whisper War so many times. And I was like, yes. She was trying to evoke the comics and then say, fuck you. (laughs) And I really want to know who May's parents are. That I I feel like I would get a little bit of reassurance if I knew who May's parents were. Like, are they part of the blue collar class or are they, you know, are they elite? Are they, where do they fit in to this society? And then I'll have a better idea of (laughs) whether I should trust May. But but maybe, maybe it's, it could be even worse that if she was blue collar, because I may, I may be blue collar, but you're a newbie. I can't Mm. pick on the people above me. I can't do anything about that. (laughs) And and here on this level, we have to kind of take care of our own. But you, I can certainly pick on you, you fucking new person. Do you know what I mean? Like that that sort of mentality. But mm-hmm. I should say you're right. We don't ultimately know what class May's parents are in. But just the allowance thing, just just the fact that it was said out loud, and it didn't need to be, right? Because you could see people with money, blah, blah, blah. And, and maybe it's just to put a thing on like, oh, what's allowance? What's an airplane, Right. I've never seen these things before. I don't know what that is. But then with the cash at the end, they didn't have to do that also, but they did. And I just tied those two things together. Poor people get kitchens and rich people get money. So we were talking earlier about the lower class having, uh, getting paid and would they have enough money to give their children an allowance? But then we also talked about Daryl going to the soup kitchen and getting, getting food. Like, so... If we're under the impression that food is provided yeah, for people, yeah. they don't have they don't they don't have to pay for this food. So whatever money they earn would be for luxuries, right? Right. Well, luxuries. Well, like or nece- or necessities too. Like because they're only paying for food. Like there's other things. Why would I assume like, it would be soap, like soap, water, nice toothpaste, clothes, like was, toilet paper. I was or clothes. Like, yeah, I was like nicer period. clothes. You know, it's like there's the ones that they're. I'm sure they're given, you know, I'm sure they get like mm-hmm. a, like a starter set when they come in. But if you wanted something nice, then you would have to pay for it. That was, that was my yeah, Except for Daryl, apparently. And a haircut. <laughs> Daryl is a one shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Judith's costume. Who paid, who paid for Judith's witch costume? Right. And even then it was shabby, right? It was super, mm-hmm. super shabby. Mm-hmm. So they, they're rummaging through the clothing bin and all. Cause they're clearly mm-hmm. tailors. There's a tailor shop across the street. They're clearly clothes being produced. By and people May's that assign that role. Fairly put together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. My point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that she's getting an allowance because she can. And I, I'm sensing that they have massive deflation. So like, so like the value of things like a dollar is worth a lot in this community. The money that mm. these rich people get, I, I, I feel, and I wished I had. I know I went full screen, but it seemed like it wasn't a lot of money. It seemed like it was like, oh, well, here's here's a, a dollar in twenty or five. I feel like the rich people are getting an allowance, getting a stipend. 
so that they can do whatever so, they want with it. And it's worth a so lot of money. You, so they're getting money on top of what they regularly earn just doing their jobs? Right. And then and so they they give money to the lower class shopping in their stores and blah, blah, blah. So they're, they are contributing to that system, the people with more money, right? So there is an economy. It, yeah. It, it's to uphold that bottom caste that they spend their money, which is why there may be a lot of ass kissing when it comes to uh, blue collar workers, the blue collar class kissing ass of the white collar class. Come into the stores. We like, know. Please it, spend your money. Yes, here. exactly. Please come. Okay. Okay. Do you know what I mean? You, 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 you yeah. get the cut of my gym. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like the the rich are getting a stimulus check and the the poor's aren't. They're, yeah, they're getting soup kitchens and 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 what little they earn from the upper class from them spending into the in the shops and the lottery system is really only to matriculate. Because they have to really like get population control when it comes to the upper class, right? I mean, the upper class is going to live as ha- however long they're going to live, and they're going to live for a long time. But you know, people die, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the lottery happens every once in a while to just make sure the upward mobility is is stammered down to a point where they can they can tolerate it, right? So there's there's this. I, I love this. I love this shit. Ultimately, like Daryl and Rosita's house, it's a paper house. But it's interesting to watch, in as much as we well, we don't know. But we're getting the sense that someone is ultimately going to fight to keep the Commonwealth afloat. Maybe. <laughs> That's where they decide to take the show. Which means that it's going to persist in some form or fashion. Or this system is going to persist in some form or fashion from its current state. So, I mean, this is, this is where we're at when the books end, yeah. man. I mean, this is, this is sustainable. Yeah. Whew. Like, we're talking like at least a decade, maybe two decades into the future, we see the Commonwealth thriving right because the i think there's like a time jump a big one right at the end the only thing i wanted to note it's not even worth a conversation but it needs to be noted how sad princess's hair is mm. i know Come on. i know lisa had said that the other day or the other episode mm-hmm. she did she said it was deflated like princess was yeah she has sad hair yeah lisa's words were like yeah deflated and like it took all the things that made her princess and and threw it away for conformity or something like that but meanwhile, I saw this episode and I was kind of like, I wasn't bothered by it because she's still like she it's interesting to see her work within the system because I think ultimately Princess just wants to be around people, just wants to be accepted by people. Mm. And so I think she was yeah. the wild princess she was because she was trying to get the attention. But maybe she's learning she doesn't have to be that way to be accepted or finds like this weird, this hybrid of I can be who I am without trying <laughs> trying to like overperform to get people to, to get the attentions that I need and the love that I need, you know? Well, maybe her hair is just sad while she's figuring all that out. Hmm. And then once she feels like she belongs, maybe her hair will be happy again. But I just, this was, you know, June, June had sad hair June after Dory. John died. June Dory had sad hair after John died. And so of course the first thing I noticed about princess was her sad hair. Hmm. Didn't stop her from getting that merciless action going on. Right? Oh, my gosh. That was my favorite part of the whole freaking episode. And Merson's like, oh, it's not really my thing. And she's like, oh, trust me. It's it your is. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, get it, girl. Get that thing. Oh, I loved it. I loved that. Yeah, he, I wrote I loved that he like biggest her. letters ever. Merces. Yeah. I love that he was like point. reciprocating. I love that because she had really mm-hmm. gone out there, you know, in the episode where she's trying to distract him. But, you know, she's not. Yeah. She's also, well, she's distracting him, but she's like, he's really flirting with him. 
I was nice to mm. see him reciprocate that back. So Mercer was yeah. a little bit softer in this episode, I felt like. So I like that. In spots, yeah. <laughs> even I would None say other even spots. no, I no, I'm agreeing with you, Bridget. I think even even in the Daryl and Rosita scenes, he was a little softer. Yes. He really was. Yeah, because he told Daryl, I want I want you to make this work. I I want you yeah. to do well. I want you to succeed. And I was like, oh, see, mm-hmm. and he's like understanding because he was like I understand that you're used to doing things on your own. and It's like setting you up to win. And that's the only thing that gets mm-hmm. him by, I think. <laughs> it's like the only axiom gets him through this goddamn place. And then when he when he meets up with people like Sebastian, who kind of just matriculated into it, but still knowing that he that Daryl needs to set Sebastian up to win, ultimately, because that's the good for the good of all. But isn't that something? Because these two things are very important. When Mercy sees somebody like Princess, it's this weird port in the storm where I don't have to pretend to get on keep on keeping on yeah I don't know I think that no I think that's what it is (laughs) okay where I have to keep on keeping on like basically pretend go through the motions you know just Mm -hmm. for the sake of everybody's harmony and put up fake it till you make it put up some put up with shit to kind of make sure this thing this place stays afloat have that dumb fuck awful expression on my face every time I see something that makes me want to roll my eyes but then you see princess and it's like this is new this is Outside the normal day-to-day routine of wanting to vomit and then also being proud of the people who I serve under kind of thing, like feast or famine. Mm-hmm. This is something new. I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So was any, did anyone else feel embarrassment for Lance when he thought everyone was clapping for him? <laughs> yeah. That was like the first, that was like the the, the kernel <laughs> for what ends up happening throughout this, this episode. I like, I didn't want to feel bad for him, but I did. I felt so bad. And I'm like, oh, oh, honey. Oh, oh. I just wanted <laughs> you, to give him a hug. Wow. Okay. I, I think I felt that way because I've been there. Yeah, yeah, like, we all I, have. That's happened to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. Every- like when you see somebody waving and so you wave back and then you realize they're waving to the person behind you and you're like, oh, shit. That's exactly <laughs> the example I was going to use. Like in a micro <laughs> example, right? We've all had that experience at least once, maybe twice, or maybe several times in our lives. How humanizing, <laughs> right? And that was the first thing, yeah. right? I think, yeah, it was like the... No, it was the after getting a lot of shit throughout <laughs> trying to find the wine for this gala. Yeah. And then and then that happens. It's like, oh, <laughs> he took a lot of shit, but I don't feel bad for him. And then like this thing happens. Like, all right, I feel, okay, I feel a little bad. I feel a little bad. Yeah. And then I got really mad at Pamela when he walks in and he's like, oh, how's the wine? And she's like, oh, it's fine. Bitch, you don't know what Carol went through to get that. You better <laughs> love that shit. <laughs> and the stress Lance had to put up with. Just right? to please uh, you. <laughs> Which, again, makes me think she's just ignorant. I don't think she's Melissa's. Yeah. But, but So going off that note, because I want to springboard off of this, moving it back to Carol. What do you think of this relationship between those two? Do you think this is like an interesting symbiotic relationship that they're having right now? Carol is the facilitator for the facilities management person, basically. He isn't a politician. He's a marketing guy, technically. And yet he's facilitating so much of what goes on both inside and outside the walls, bringing people in like the Alexandrians and making sure this place works the way it should work uh, behind the scenes. Who is that not, if not Carol, making things work behind the scenes? What do you think about this m- marriage? Mm. I-, I hesitate using that word because I don't, like I don't want that. to upset I don't you. like that word. No. <laughs> and yet it's like mm-hmm. this perfect partnership. I think both of them think they're being real sneaky. Well, Carol is sneaky, let's be honest. Both of them think they're being real sneaky with the other one. Okay. <laughs> that is okay. exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, they're both playing each other. Which is why I think yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. Because yes. as yeah. soon as they yeah. figure it out, they're like, 
It's like that Spider-Man meme. You, me, you, like yeah, where they're all Spider-Man. <laughs> they're pointing yeah. at each other. Yeah. Except Carol, Carol's smarter than all of that. So I, I think she's going to, you know, stay in control of whatever Lance throws at her. I think she's smart enough to recognize uh, being played. Right. If it comes to that. Well, and then there's also like soft being played, right? Well, she'll allow it. Right. Yeah. Is that what you mean? She'll allow yeah. it as long as it suits her. It's just kind of like marriages, too. Like, like, do you know any marriage where you divide the duties equally among you? You know, like, OK, you do the dishes this day. No. I'll do the dishes. Right. <laughs> It's all like <laughs> yeah. this weird harmony. If that relationship just works, all right, where, where's the where where's the wrong being done? And I look credit to Josh Hamilton and Melissa McBride because I feel that coming off them. They're just they just seem to it's like two puzzle pieces that just seem to make sense. And the more they go on, I'm I'm sensing that maybe which is why I think maybe we're supposed to think Lance is an asshole, but what if he's not unlike Carol, like the the Commonwealth version of Carol? But the only foible that he has is he wants recognition. Carol's like, I could care less. I couldn't care less. I have a question for both of you. We practically know nothing about Lance. Do you think he has any experience? Do you think he has been at the Commonwealth since the beginning? Do you think he has spent any time out in the real world? That's a good question. I lean towards, I feel like he hasn't. Not in the world now. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't right. probably into some shady shit before because of how weaselly he seems to be. <laughs> You're saying before the fall? Or? Yeah. Like, okay. maybe, yeah, maybe before yeah. he would have been, you know, before the fall, he would have been involved in stuff. And, and so maybe he has that, like, street smarts, because I do kind of feel like he does come off that way. And he's, like, maybe really good at faking being, like, a higher class citizen when probably a little more mm. grassroots, I would guess. I see that. I could see that, yeah. So I, I, I kind of wonder why Pamela Milton singles out the artist who paints the picture. And maybe you just gave me the answer to what Lance Hornsby is. Sorry, Lance Hornsby is. Because she particularly notes that this, that Alex, the painter, has been injured. She was suffered injuries outside the walls. It could be, it could be that Lance, or maybe many people, until like kind of reclaim things block by block by block and then took people in like Aaron. It could be many people and among them Lance have lived outside the walls for some time. And maybe his life was completely different before this. You know, maybe he had it rough. Maybe he was a very important person. It could be all of this is coming from a place, and we maybe get a flashback of that. Who knows? All this is coming from a place where he had a certain freedom, like one often does get in The Walking Dead. You, you are the person who you are supposed to be, or you were meant to be in The Walking Dead universe, right? In the zombie apocalypse, the way The Walking Dead works. And then he comes to the Commonwealth, and they just put him back into this marketing position. And maybe he feels that, you know, I was... I was somebody out there and I'm nobody now. And even me trying to be a somebody here falls flat. It could be less about recognition than the feeling of inadequacy or effectlessness. I note the, the painter part because she mentions that she came with injuries and, you know, sustained horrific injuries out there and stuff like that. That made me think of Lance. Like, oh, maybe he was out there. I don't know. I'm just, now I'm just basing it off of things I see in the episode. It's something to think about. Like, because I want to kind of think of this guy is a good guy now or at least somebody who's trying to work within the system and is not all that bad we also meet carrie last year's lottery winner do you think her prize for winning the lottery is to attend this masquerade or do you think her whole life status changed oh i think it's life status for sure 
I was wondering what the lottery tickets, like the 10 that she got, were good for. In my mind, I was like, is this what they're showing us? That this is what the lottery ticket gets you? Is entrance to one of these yeah. dumbass galas? Like, what no, a... No, What a joke. I think it's a chance to move <laughs> up in ranks. Yeah. That makes, I think it's that makes more complete status change. That makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, why would you need 10 of them? That... To increase your chances. To better your chances. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I was just like, yeah, this yeah. is... Okay, so they must be picking. I'm like guessing one everyone puts their year. name in for the lottery. One person a year yeah. gets picked to yes. To what end? To become part of the elite. But like for to become part of the elite. What, like why would the elite even want that? I mean, I guess to stop like civil unrest, but then eventually to, do you to give just incentive run out of people below you? Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically. Well, that's the thing. That's what that's what I was saying before. Is like if you make this process one of those things that happens, it does happen. So you see people actually do ascend, ascend. So you get people wanting the same thing. This is something we've said before. You need a binding philosophy, an incentive mechanism. You need something to get people to do what they're supposed to do. If you're gonna give give people assigned positions and based on the world before, you better have some sort of upward mobility system because that shit's not gonna work for very long and you will have yeah. a revolt on your hands. Communism! And that is their incentive mechanism. Besides the fact that it has been said there are many people they fished out of dire situations and they see what the commonwealth has to offer among them the ability to ascend but like also hey i don't like being eaten i also i like eating well i guess so, you wouldn't ever get any this works. stronger people if that wasn't an option because people like daryl you know who's like a really capable fighter would maybe never stay because they'd be like right f this like this is garbage Right. Which is why I said the military mm-hmm. is over here because they have mm-hmm. this sense of duty. This is their. Uh, this is another binding philosophy. Something I said in the last episode. You have this instant feedback that what you're doing is is good, is helpful. You have duty, you have honor. You get paid. It's not white collar wages, but you get to keep your sense of individuality. You get you get the gratification from knowing that you help protect people. That it's instant. That's why they're over here. They're unaffected by this system. They're in this middle place where they get the, they reap the fruits of their labors instantly. They get paid too, you know, so that you get to help people. You get to feel it. You get the the taste of what it was for everybody out there. You have a home to come back to that's safe. Whereas in Alexandria, you don't you never know what what herd is going to come through. And with that, everybody, <laughs> if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com/squawkingdead. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. But tell us after every episode. And if you want to join the family, just like Bridget did, and is here today with us to share her thoughts and feelings, and, and and taking the leash off of me when I feel like, rawr, 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 rawr. Uh, head over. <laughs> I don't know if you want that now. <laughs> but if you're interested in joining the family, getting the unedited episode recordings after, after we finished recording, the ability to join us in the chat like Aiden did today, head over to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead and just follow us. You don't have to buy us a coffee which would give you access to our supported back content for 30 days or join a membership tier, which gets you all those things perpetually for as little as a dollar. Just follow us. You'll know when you want to jump in on something. When we post, you get the notifications. We, we're, we're not pushers. We're not like your mom, you know, like uh, eat more, eat. We make tea. Thank you for watching this episode. I've run out of gas. <laughs> Thank you for watching this episode with us. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you in the next one. I'm your host, David Cameo. I'm joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, and Survivor's Tier member Bridget and Jasmine. Hi.
Say goodbye, Jasmine. You're not here, but say goodbye. <laughs> Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the end of this episode. The whole way through, you made it. This episode was jam-packed with insights that were cut out, laughs that were had. Just a just a voluminous episode that we had to trim down to just about two hours. But I'm very, very glad you made it to the end. And, but you really have to thank the following people for bringing you this episode. Our Survivors tier members... At Elisa, Jones, at Elisa Jones 71 on Instagram, at jasmine.iac on Instagram, ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy, and of course, Bridget at xprophecygirl on Twitter. Uh, these are Survivors tier members who, because of their tier membership status, get to join on stream with us, with their mics and their headphones and their webcams to break down episodes along with us just like Jasmine and Bridget did in this one uh, but we also have to thank our lovely our mysterious <laughs> Whisperers tier members uh, the following at Judith.Morton on Instagram at Aiden the Raven on Twitter at Tyler Philip Cox on Instagram and Twitter at RitasFan2 on Instagram and Twitter, you've got at FrostedAngel67 on Twitter, that's Alania. We've got Sandy, that's fb.me slash sandy.d.morrison, with two R's. We've got at J13Voorhees, like, you know, the killer. And of course, at Ryan, at real Ryan GM, as in Mary on Twitter. These people have joined one of our membership tiers, the top two tiers, which you can join as well. For just as little as a dollar, you can join the Walkers tier and get a ton of perks, including the full three-hour conversation uh, that we just had here, unedited, streamable, on an, unli on an unlisted YouTube stream at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you get the ability to join our Discord, the unedited episode recordings like this one, as well as the ability to join us during the recordings, lending us your insights, as well as, <laughs> there's a lot of as well as, as well as, as, as um, basically a whole bunch of things you get up front, including our unlisted clips channel our unlisted live channel which contains all the unedited episode unedited episode recordings the ability to download all our wall wallpapers our ringtones all of that for as little as a dollar a month which you can cancel at any time we don't care it's really just a signal that you're invested in our success um not monetarily necessarily but that you're in it you want to be a part of this thing and it really puts you on the other side of that wall it makes you familiar to us and it makes you a part of the show and just to let you know uh, we Aiden one of our whispers tier members actually did the blog for our last episode so when you're part of the family you never know what can happen uh, 
you know, a week ago, Aiden wasn't doing the blog posts. Now he is, and he's doing a way better job than I ever did. So when you're in the family, you never know what can happen when you want to be more involved. And so the really the real way to get our attention is to, to join the family and get involved in our Discord chats and conversations, behind-the-scenes discussions, um, commenting on some of our proposed images for certain things that we don't even post on ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. Uh, we try to post as much as possible, but not everything makes the cut. Uh, some some of the stuff isn't even consume you know fit for consumption on on the platform. So we try it out in our Discord and see what happens. So think about it. In any case, I've been your host David Cameo. On this episode, we were joined by Cosmo Mob Zero Nine Rachel Burt, who's back after not being here last time. We've got Survivors tier members Bridget, aka at X Prophecy Girl on Twitter, as well as Jasmine at Jasmine.iec. Take care, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you in the next one. (laughs) Take care. (laughs) 